Turning to other news this morning, latest figures show a Hertfordshire town has a bigger problem with childhood obesity than the rest of the country. One in three 11-year-olds in Broxbourne are overweight or obese, and the number appears to be increasing. Health experts say leadership on the issue from the government is virtually non-existent, and councils have little money and expertise to make a real difference. Elsewhere, the latest unemployment figures out later on today are expected to show another drop in the number of people out of work. Unemployment's been falling rapidly. Last month, it fell by the largest amount since 1997, and the jobless rate may dip below 7% as well. Now, people calling for the abolition of ancient manorial rights in Hertfordshire are now planning to protest outside Hatfield House this morning. Campaigners are worried the feudal law gives the Marquess of Salisbury claims over the land on which their homes actually stand on. Gail Sanderson has more. People in Wellingarden City only realised that the Lord of the Manor of Hatfield had claims over their land when they were sent letters saying that the Marquess of Salisbury had manorial rights. They wanted the Marquess to withdraw his rights and have now decided to make it a national campaign to get the law abolished all over England and Wales. A council tax increase in Luton set to be approved at a meeting of the full council tonight. It means the average bill for people living in a band A or B property would go up by £14 a year. And a report's warning negative perceptions of young people in the media, where they're often portrayed as lazy or yobbish, are preventing them from getting jobs. The cross-party think tank Demos says the stereotypes are unfair. Turning to sports... But in true... The- well, we'll discuss that one later, hey. In the, apparently, lots of them do charity work and it just gets overlooked. But anyway, in the Championship, Watford drew 0-0 away to bottom of the table, Yeovil. Meanwhile, MK Dons drew 0-0 at home to Prestel and staying in League One. Bottom of the table, Stevenage, though, they lost out 2-0 at Leighton Orient. So weather, it's going to be quite mild today. Temperatures topping around 10 degrees Celsius. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. It's true, though, let's be honest. Apart from the apart from the odd exception, young people are lazy. They're lazy. They're lazy. Look, Kelly Betts is having a yawn now. Look at, look at her yawning. You see? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning, including big payout in Stevenage, big 11-year-olds in Broxbourne, And big or pregnant, we tackle the eternal conundrum. And big, the Tom Hanks film. And Biggie Smalls. Etc, etc, etc. Facebook.com, 813, you know the rest, 08459, yes? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's a song you never hear on the radio, right? This song, this song is awesome, OK? And the lady singer on this song is Elkie Brooks. Yet in the video... But in the video, Elkie Brooks was portrayed by a black lady. I've never quite understood it. Have a listen. Oh, and 
we had simplicity and we had warm toast for tea and we laughed and he did love yes I do Four five nine four double five five double five. Now, BBC Three Counties Radio has learnt that the private company behind Stevenage's failed surgery centre has been paid millions of pounds in compensation. Clinic Centre, which is part of building firm Carillion, was given £3.7 million of public money to fund redundancies and the loss of potential earnings. The company was severely criticised for the way it ran the surgery centre following the deaths of three people. Well, our reporter Toby Friedner has been looking into this. Toby, remind us what the problems were with the surgery centre. Well, as you say, uh, it was a building uh, run by a building firm called Carillion uh, who got a contract to build and run the surgery centre uh, from the Labour government. And when it opened in October 2011, the idea was to use it for routine surgery, things like joint and eye operations, mm. that sort of stuff, to bring down waiting times and cut waiting lists and that sort of things. But there were problems from the outset. Three people undergoing routine surgery for joint operations died unexpectedly, sparking an investigation. In January 2012, it was established that 8,500 patient records had been lost. And there were also criticisms about the way staffing levels affected patient care. Now, Sarah Dunn, who's from Stevenage, was admitted to the surgery centre for an operation after a miscarriage. Despite being very emotional, she says staff there just didn't seem to care. Went back up into the cubicle and was more or less just left to my own devices. There was very few feelings from any of the nursing staff there and um, it's, it was very, very emotionless. There was no... They knew what you were in there for, obviously, but... That was about it. You were just a, a number on a sheet. And her husband, Nick, said that he was told he couldn't be with his wife during the surgery or while she was recovering. It was cold. It was horrible. Um, it all started going wrong, I think, from the moment we first got upstairs and they took some details from Sarah and then basically I was asked to leave. I wasn't allowed to go through with her to wait or anything, which I was quite surprised and angry about. 
Uh, and with everything that Sarah was going through, I mean, she was very upset. She was crying. You know, the last thing I want to do is is walk away. Uh, but I had I had no choice. And in fact, things got so bad that GPs stopped referring patients yeah. there. And as a result of all of these failings, the centre had to be put in NHS control. This £3.7 million, when did the company get this? Was, was this when it was put under NHS well, control? We've, we've spent months trying to get to the bottom of this and mm. to find out. And after lots of toing and froing, we were eventually told that Clinic Centre, at the end of the contract, was given £3.7 million to pay for staff redundancies, winding up service delivery... And crucially, the loss of potential earnings in the three years that the contract would still have to run. They also avoided paying the break cost of a loan that they took out with Barclays Bank to fund construction of the building. The the Department of Health forked out a further £3 million for that. So here's a company who, despite a series of mistakes, still received taxpayers' money in compensation. Now, the vice chair of Hertfordshire Health Watch, Michael Downing, who was affected himself by these problems, says it's outrageous that Clinic Centre were compensated. I'm not surprised in this day and age, but still appalled at uh, this. It's, it's an insult to the users of the health service in, in Hertfordshire. If anything, it's, it's Clinic Centre that should be compensating the NHS and its, and its users rather than the other way around. And you're going to be speaking to Michael later on in this programme. What's happening with the surgery centre now? Well, it's now been renamed. It's called the Treatment Centre and it's been in NHS control since October. Mm. GPs have been referring some patients back to the centre, although no official letter has been sent to them which says that patients can now be referred. And what have Clinic Centre had to say about all of this? Well, as you can imagine, uh, we told them that we were doing this this morning, running this story, and over the last few months we've asked them for lots of different interviews. They've occasionally responded in writing, but on this occasion they declined to comment. Well, there's a surprise, Toby. Thank you very much. We'll follow this throughout the show. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. I saw her face Now I'm a believer Now her trace Her doubt in my mind I'm in love I'm a believer I couldn't leave her if I tried I thought love was more or less A given thing Saw her face Now I'm a believer Not a trace A doubt in my mind I'm in love I'm a believer I couldn't leave her if I tried
saw her face Now I'm a believer Not a trace Of doubt in my mind I'm in love I'm a believer I couldn't leave her if I tried This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. I'm a little bit nervous today. We have very, very important video, uh, uh, videos, important uh, guests coming to the studio today. And no, I don't mean Gavin Shuka. Gavin Shuka is not coming back demanding we take down that photograph of him wearing a balaclava that we've got on all of the walls here. I think you've got his best side, to be yeah, honest. I, I cannot... Mr Gavin Shuka MP, we love. What a nice, nice gentleman. What a good sport. I do think he will seriously regret having that picture taken of him wearing a balaclava. If you don't know what picture I'm talking about... Can we retweet it this morning, please? Sure. Excellent stuff indeed. Oh, is your guest Paul McCartney? Uh, I don't want to talk about him. Elvis Costello? Don't want to talk about him. Have their solicitors been in touch? Well, uh, well, unless I don't want to talk about them, I'm legally not allowed to talk about either of them. Uh, No, my boys are coming in today. My boys are coming in. It's like half term. What should we do? I Wait, know. Your sons or your gang? <laughs> oh, both. Wow. They're both. Uh, yeah, my four and two year old are coming in. So, right, here's, here's the instructions. Kelly, mm-hmm. just keep your mouth shut. In fact, could you hide in the cupboard? Yeah. Brilliant. Shall I make them jump? No, don't. Oh. I don't want you to even look at them. See, the oh. thing is that Kelly looks as if she should be child friendly. No, au contraire. Very deceptive. They really like me because we speak at the same pitch. No. We same say height. the same sort of things. We're eye level. No, I just don't want them to be influenced by anything you have to offer. And Catherine, could you start treating me with respect, please? What? I've told them I'm the boss. Oh. So. Have you? I am. This is going to be interesting. Just what I want is I want Kelly to hide and I want uh, Catherine to treat with respect and it's Paul Scoyne's coming in today because I did I've been showing pictures of them and of him to, to them and saying he's my butler oh um, <laughs> he would make an amazing butler wouldn't he wouldn't yeah, he he's slightly begrudging <laughs> <laughs> so Scoyne's if you're listening do you th- I know you're probably not in this morning you've probably got a Grand Theft Auto hangover could you come in and dress up as a butler for me thank you very much Travel news for beds cards and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio Good morning. Starting by looking on the speed sensors in Boreham Wood, the A1 southbound is queuing at the moment at Stirling Corner. In Hatfield, Shepherd's Way still closed because of flooding between Great North Road and Well Road. Also in Nedworth, the Watton Road is closed between London Road and Hartford Road. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you. Morning, it's 6.16. It's, uh, let me just have a think for a second. Wednesday, the 19th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A private company which ran a failed uh, surgery centre in Stevenage has been paid millions of pounds in compensation, despite the NHS eventually taking it over. A report shows negative perceptions of young people in the media, where they're often portrayed as lazy or yobbish, are preventing them from getting jobs. And it's not just their bad attitude and the fact they're thick. And in sport, it was a goalless draw between Watford and bottom of the table Yeovil last night. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every 
weekday from three. Why would anyone buy a mattress off the back of a van? Roberto Peroni. How do you keep a straight face? That is so funny. A professor from the University of Bedfordshire has followed in the footsteps of Indiana Jones. Weekdays from three. It's the family and lifestyle debate. Got an hour discussing business and finance. It's our politics panel discussing how politics affects us. Later in the show, it's all about the entertainment world. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. playing I Think I Love You, the Voice of the Beehive cover version of the Partridge Family classic song I Think I Love You. Kelly Betts? Don't bother. No, oh, no. Oh. Really? Oh. I spent a lot of my younger years dancing to uh, Voice of the Beehive they, in my bedroom. They had baby's heads stuck on their guitars, didn't they? Yeah, they were cute. They were cute. I scary. once saw, at the age of 15 years old, dear listener, I went to Alexandra Palace in North London. <sighs> 
and I saw uh, some rubbish band called The Four of Us. They were rubbish. Then I saw uh, Voice of the Beehive. Then I saw Squeeze. And then I saw The Kinks wow. all on the same bill. That was awesome. I was there on my own. It was a bit sad. Mm. I bet Squeeze were best. No, Kinks was best. Really? Squeeze was, was, Squeeze was good. They're clever. Squeeze was clever and good. I didn't really know many Squeeze songs at that oh. point in my life, so I'm there going, oh, I don't really know these songs, but they've got a real great toe-tapping funky beat. And a meaning behind them, each and every one. Yeah, 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 whatever. I've seen Glenn Tilbrough off of Squeeze. Sorry, who? Glenn Tilbrough. Brooke. Glenn Tilbrough. Okay, yeah. Brooke. Yeah, Glenn Tilbrough. Anyway, I've seen that fella oh. off of Squeeze yeah. and a, a Ray Davis off of Kinks. Do solo things. No, no, no. So no. we're connected in some We're way. not, because I saw the bands. I yeah. saw the full bands. You saw the solo artists. Anyone can see the yeah. solo artists. I saw the full bands. No, they can see them now. They couldn't. They couldn't. Before. No, you, you got that the wrong they way around. At your time. My time was then. Huh? So, exactly. There's a story in the paper today, right? Page three of the mail. Mother to be. Taken ill on a train, forced to sit on the floor because no one gave up their seat. OK, she wasn't forced to sit on the floor. No one, no one came up to her with a gun and put a gun to her head and said... Glenn Tilbrook. Thank you. No one put a gun to her head and said, Glenn... T- no, stop it. No one put a gun to her head and said, sit on the floor. Sit on the floor. Lady, pregnant lady, sit on the floor. Huh? How did she get back up again? Well, this... What? Well, that was the problem when I was pregnant. Sit on the floor, lady. But then he's trying to get up. No. No, you're missing the point of the story. She is a mother-to-be, taken ill on train, forced to sit on the floor. She wasn't forced to sit on the floor, first point, OK? That's why I was doing the uh, vaguely offensive. By a lack of seats. With her baby bump showing, five months pregnant Victoria oh. Poskett. Five months. Doesn't really show, does it? It's hard to tell. Is it water retention? Is it a baby? We've all, we've all made that call at various points in our lives. Is she fat or pregnant? Unless it's your second or third child and it just seems to go bang straight out there. She might have thought a fellow commuter would give up their seat on the train for her. And although no one was civil enough to do so at first, when she began to feel dizzy and unwell, she could rightly have expected a sympathetic passenger to let her sit down. But again, the 40-year-old, oh dear, mother-to-be was ignored and forced to, endure, forced to endure the journey sitting on the floor. To compound her misery, oh, oh for goodness sakes, where there's a blame, there's a claim. To compound her misery, rail bosses have also told her that should it happen again, they can't allow her to sit in first class. Good. Good. Because if, if I've paid, as I occasionally do, to sit in first class... Elitist. Uh, I... Well, sometimes it's only a 15 quid upgrade. That's the price of a ticket. Well, if you're going to Manchester? I've got an idea. Huh? Yeah. You know you can get those fold-away Does, seats? Yes. You just take one of them. That's okay. what I'm going to do. OK, let's focus on this, though. OK. So, she, right, first of all, she shouldn't be given a free first-class seat. I don't agree with that, because th- there is a reason that they are first-class. They, uh, they are for people who pay a little bit more, who want a little bit more luxury. We can't just give them out willy-nilly to someone who may or may not be pregnant. And secondly... Every few months, there's always a story, some pregnant woman banging on about, oh, no-one gives up a seat for me because I'm pregnant. Oh, no-one. It's not fair. Two things. You've got yourself pregnant. And secondly... Well, well, hang on. You can't get yourself pregnant. (laughs) Unless you're a snail. They do, don't they? Do they? Yeah, apparently. Wow. I wonder if anyone lets them sit down on the bus. Firstly, you got yourself pregnant. Your choice. Secondly, I have never seen a pregnant woman 
not be offered a seat right. on a bus or a tube or a train. I've never seen it. I have never seen it. They always get offered. Maybe once she didn't. Maybe maybe all of the people, maybe all of the people on that train were ill. Maybe they were all war yeah. veterans. Maybe they couldn't use their legs properly. She doesn't know. Right. One, I've seen that because I've been that woman, OK? And two, substitute pregnant for old. Is it still okay? An old pregnant woman? No. That is disgusting. An old person who fell ill or who was having a little bit of trouble standing. It's just about being nice to each other, isn't it? This, yeah. this isn't about being pregnant, not pregnant. Just don't be awful to each other. Well, hang on a minute. So you're saying be nice to each other, Yeah, then. how about that? It's radical, isn't it? So how about that, then? That's radical. If I... Rude. We'll stop that when the boys come in, by the way. So, you're saying be nice to people. That means what? So, if I just see anybody standing up, oh, do you want my seat? Well, then I'm standing up. If I saw an elderly gentleman who was less fit than I was, who needed to sit down, I would offer up my seat. And it's not about being a man or a woman, it's about the fact that I can stand up and he's having trouble. Right? So, it goes with pregnant women. I do the same thing. I think this is a myth. This doesn't happen. It happened to me. I don't sit down on the tube because I just cannot be bothered with the politics. <laughs> I just stand. There are a lot of politics. There really are. You're, I'll just stand also, because I off, don't want you, to upset anyone. It's easier if you're standing near the door, isn't it, when you want to get yeah. off? Who owns the armrest? Oh, that's a good that's question. The, that's the poli- Who owns the armrest? Particular, if you're sat at the end with the glass sheet to your left... Right, you can lean on that. Well, you could, well but then that, the arm armrest, rest. that armrest is yours. So if you go all the way down, but then there's someone at the end who hasn't got... Who owns the armrest? See, the problem you've got is that you've got arms like Mr Tickle, so you own the armrest whether people have you a right to You own the armrest opposite. And yeah. I wish gentlemen would close their legs. Oh, yeah? For, what's that all about? And so, big, big newspapers as well. Oh, for goodness sakes. But anyway, back to this. Yeah, so I, I, when I was a pregnant woman... Um, the only people oh. that offered me seats on the tube were young, and I'm talking 17, 18-year-old men. Right. In your face, businessmen, eating, re- reading your paper, pretending you can't see me. Eating, reading your paper. Eating your, eating your patisserie croissant thing. Patisserie croissant thing. Oh. Oh. Really? Oh, really? When are your boys coming in? Hey, boys coming in. I'm sure they'll be very proud. Hey, baby, baby. I've got an idea. Yes, Kelly. Another one. Yes, um, we could dress me up like a really old lady and give me a really big pregnant belly and put me on the train. She's totally not understood any of this. See what happens. Catherine? If you don't like the idea, you can just say no, it's fine. But I'm going to do it whether you're with me or not. What do you think, Catherine? There's a producer. Why's she got her head in her hands? Why's she, why she crying? Stop crying. Stop it, it's making me feel sad and I don't want to feel sad. You're making me feel sad because you're sad. That's selfish. It's because you did that silly voice. Thing. <laughs> oh! Oh wait, four five nine. Four double. Oh wait, four five nine. Four double five. Five double five. If you want to take the mick out of Catherine Boyle. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Hemel Hempstead, the A414 is looking like it's struggling on the speed sensors as you approach the M1. Then in Beaconsfield, the Amersham Road southbound, so that's as you head towards the Old Town looking slow. On public transport, the 639 service from Luton to Sutton has been cancelled. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Alice, thank you very much. 08459 455 555. A serious point. I think this is a myth that pregnant women don't get offered seats on trains and buses and tubes. I've never, I've never, ever seen it happen. I've always seen a pregnant woman come on and immediately someone says, oh, do you want to, do you want to sit down? And more often than not, they say, no, they don't want to, thanks. You must be <laughs> all aboard the polite <laughs> train. Oh, really? Yes. Hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. With the headlines, I'm Serena Farrow. A private company which ran a failed surgery centre in Stevenage has been paid millions of pounds in compensation, despite the NHS eventually taking over. Elsewhere, the government set out more details of restrictions on European migrants applying for benefits in the UK. It says they'll soon have to demonstrate they're earning at least £150 a week. A report shows negative perceptions of young people in the media where they're often portrayed as lazy or yobbish, preventing them from getting jobs. And people calling for the abolition of ancient manorial rites in Hertfordshire and are planning to protest outside Hatfield House this morning. There the news headlines. Now let's move on to the morning sport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. In the Championship, Watford drew 0-0 away to bottom of the table, Yeovil, last night. Hornets goalkeeping coach Alec Chamberlain was critical. I don't think we particularly got going all game. I I, I didn't feel really that um, we ever moved the ball particularly well um, I don't know really why the reason was apart from the heavy pitch but Yeovil moved the ball better than we did both sides struggled in the last third to really um, make that final pass or that final shot count so I guess from that point of view nil-nil isn't a surprise really MK Dons also had the same scoreline to Preston Dons manager Carl Robinson praised his side though they've put their bodies on the line I feel they're working the socks off and we're, we're very very skeleton squad to, to have Harry Hickford uh, Giorgio and George and people like that on the bench and Deli Ali starting. It, it, it just shows you how short and to lose Samir and George. Just shows you what we've got. I've got nothing left. I have nothing left at all in the club. Staying with League One and bottom of the table, Stevenage failed to pick up points after a 2-0 defeat at Leighton Orient. Here's Borough manager Graham Wesley. We started to work our way back into the game. Um, we started to carve out chances. Um, as the game wore on, we, we got stronger and certainly it was a pretty even second half. Um, the chances were there for us. Uh, we weren't as clinical as they were. They, they took you know, the, cu- the couple of good chances that they had early on and in the end, those two goals have been the difference. Elsewhere locally in the Caller Premier Division, Bedford Town lost 4-2 to Corby. St Neots beat LC 3-1. Biggleswade Town against Hitchin, that game was postponed because of a waterlogged pitch. So Manchester City were beaten 2-0 in their Champions League game against Barcelona. And of course, Winter Olympics, Britain's women take on Canada in the semi-finals at the Curling in Sochi this morning. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at 7. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Right. I'm on, uh, I'm on eBay, so I might be slightly distracted. What are you buying? I want to buy the soundtrack to uh, Paul McCartney's Give My Regards to Broad Street on oh. CD, but I don't know if you can get it on CD. Probably not. It's a shame, isn't it? Uh, newspapers. Oh, there we go. 25 quid. Stick that. 08459 455 555 if you want to take part in the newspapers this morning. Should we have a song and then get, kind of get ready? Well, it depends what you got. Well, it's, it's a song that sounds like it's an affectionate love song to a woman. It's actually about heroin. Yeah, I know.
I would say the second best song about heroin. Do you want them? Top three? Golden Brown. Golden Brown, number one. Number two, There She Goes, The Lars. Number three, Heroin by The Velvet Underground. Oh, how's that go? Heroin. Probably. I don't really like The Velvet Underground. Shouldn't be singing about it, really. You shouldn't really. Fancy it, I think. Because people... It's very Moorish, apparently. Mm. People would would consider that to be an encouragement, and we certainly don't encourage any... uh, 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 No, No. any drug use here at BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee. Catherine Boyle is there. Yeah, hi. Hey. Um, and we're very excited because we're going to see um, Andy from CBBS do a show in Dunstable on Sunday. Yeah, downside, we've got to take the children. I know that's the annoying thing. And we've both got young children. Uh, is yours youngest two? Two and five. So, okay, five. so I got two and four, and we're worried about the two-year-olds that they might get a little bit upset. And I want to go homey. Bearing in mind that um, Andy's new TV show, Andy's Dinosaur Adventures, the two-year-old hid behind the sofa going, Daddy, it's a little bit scary. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my two-year-old likes them. She's a little girl and she loves dinosaurs. She loves um, Andy's Dinosaur Adventures, but she just doesn't like public spaces and people clapping. Spontaneous rounds of applause, that's the thing, and shouting. There'll be plenty of that. Yeah. But that's going to be exciting. Yeah. And then my boys are coming in today. Already day three of the half term. And Have you prepared them for what they're going to see? Well, the thing is, my wife works somewhere very big and very posh. A big, big glass steel building in central London. Very impressive. And I've kind of really been trying to play it down. They think it's going to be something like that. It's not. It's basically a broom cupboard. But then my eldest last night said, has it got a kitchen? I said, yes. He said, is it as big as my arms? I said, a little bit bigger. That seemed to make him happy. And it's got doors. I know he's into access routes. He he does like doors and stairs. There's a lift. He'll be in that for hours. And to be honest, while he probably couldn't have a go at your wife's work... Yeah. Pretty for all here, isn't it? He, really? If he if he turns up in time, then yes, the last hour of the show will be hosted by a four-year-old. I can only apologise in advance. Uh, what have you got in the newspapers? Nothing. Oh. I can't find anything apart from oh, I don't know. I mean, why do women in- insist on going out with gladiators? Because <laughs> they're muscly and hunky. You know, if his name's Phil, Dave, Simon. Good. Thumbs up. I would suggest if his name is, I don't know, Cyclone, Tornado. Jet. Wolf. Yeah, all that. The Wolfman crab stick. Yeah. Never ends well by the looks of things. Uh, apparently, we're happiest when we wake. What? Yeah, I know. If you're not a normal, if you're not a morning person, you will find this hard to believe because breakfast is our happiest time of the day. Uh, now they've got this. This is how they've analysed so this. So for everyone who's sitting there filled with dread about what today's day at work yep. may bring. This is as good as it's going to get. Wowzers. Analysis of more than half a billion Twitter messages. Oh, I see. They've done it from Twitter. Ah, right. Showed that people from all over the world wake up in a good mood but become grumpier by the hour. However, we do cheer up in the evening. By counting often various words linked to happiness cropped up in Twitter posts, uh, la, 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 uh, this suggests that the stresses and strains of work are getting us down during the week. No, it doesn't. It suggests that people who are happy might tweet about it and people who aren't just generally keep themselves themselves. So you can't tell. I am miserable in the morning, which is really unfortunate because I host, you know, this, yeah. which is in the morning. Yeah, sad for us. What I need... What I should do is I should... Um, switch my day around so this is my evening Mm -hmm. so i should go to bed after this sleep through the day get up about 11 o'clock at night that's too complicated i'll just be grumpy have a lonely existence too hey what about this more than half of women offered to pay on dates but 39 percent of them secretly hope the man will fork out according to a u.s study is that really something we need to study don't we all know that this is the the, well this is the problem you see when you all you all burnt your bras and you all listened to jermaine greer and you all want to have equal pay as men and you want to win the same amount of money as uh, wimbledon and rights over our own genitals and that yes all that kind of stuff and yet you still expect the gentleman to open the door for you to pay for 
for the meal, to get up and offer you a seat if you're carrying a child in your tummy. All of this stuff. It's either equality or it's not equality, Catherine. What do you want? Then let's just be nice to each other. Yeah, OK, well, then you pay for me when we go out for dinner. Uh, who pays for coffees a lot? Me. And me. Who pays for coffees occasionally? Oh, Really? Who you've pay- been counting, have you? You can score on me. I have, actually, yes. And I believe I've paid for six, and I think you've paid for four. My turn next, then. Next two. Scoins doesn't pay at all. No, no, he just turns up late. <laughs> oh, sorry I'm late. Oh, have I missed the bill? Posh Spice did have a boob job. Well, I think we knew that. Well, she did. Like a couple of baps. <laughs> oh, she uh, has I believe been. They're known as boltons when they're that obvious. I mean, she's denied it though for ages. Yes, I did have a boob job. Boob job. She says in the Daily Mail. You can see it. Well, you can see that she's gone from being rather, you know, uh, flat chested. It's all roundy, to... roundy at the top. Yeah, and they, they they kind of float. I think hers had helium in. That's why there's a helium shortage. <laughs> um, and that's why David Beckham speaks with such a high voice. <laughs> Let's move on. I think probably. <laughs> We've got another record. Uh, yeah, we can have if you want. Um, oh no, I found one more. Found one more. Then we'll have a record. Cue jumping. Would you? Can you jump cues? No. No. Stephen Fry jumped a cue last night to get into a secret gig by uh, the uh, pop pervert Prince. I can't be um, cheeky like that. My face gives me away. Hit the massive cue outside Ronnie Scott's. Okay, what does your face do? Go sheepish. Massive queue outside Ronnie Scott's holds 250 people in right. London. Yeah, Prince, it's tiny. Prince was playing there. Okay, he's doing secret gigs. Not and, so secret. And some people have uh, some people have camped out for 13 hours. Sados, I like to call them, have camped out for 13 hours. Okay, then as the doors open, portly uh, people's favourite Stephen Fry gets pushed through to the front, and there's a great picture, 22 and 23 of the male, of people just giving him the most evilest of all stares ever dealt to um, a bisexual quiz show host. Ever. Is he bisexual? Is he not? No, I don't think so. Oh, has he changed that story now? That was he. I always thought he was bisexual. No, no, I thought. No, I thought it was gay all the way. Okay, there you go. You see, thieves spent hours smashing their way into a shop. Why? Why were they stealing gold bullion? No, gold gold bullion. Lego. Oh, Lego. The gang used a fire extinguisher to batter a massive hole in the wall of the Toy Town store. That must have taken them ages if they were doing a massive hole. If you're doing one that was just big enough, fair enough. Um, the, they, they filled the huge bags with Lego and Sylvanian family figurines worth £4,000. Sylvanian families, they need someone to love them. My kids have got Sylvanian families. Little yeah. girls love tiny little bits and bobs playing with like, houses that have got yeah. tiny cakes. I find them, they stick in your feet that you find them all over the shop. Make it stop, somebody. Thank you very much. Here's them Beatles.
just started. There is a new Beatles biography out. You thought there was nothing more that could be written about the Beatles. There is. Uh, I've just started. It's 700 pages long, right? It only goes up to 1962. Right, so they've been to Hamburg. But it's like everything. I don't think I can... I love the Beatles. I don't think I need that much detail about, you know, Ringo Starr's great-grandfather lent someone a hat. Did he get it back, though? I haven't got that far. Oh. I'll let you know. There's some great pictures. In the, great, great pictures. Exactly. That's in book two. Uh, great pictures in the, uh, the newspaper today of, of uh, the Prince of Wales dressed as, dressed as, dressed as a sheikh. It's a, if you look at it, it's, it's more, he's got one of those Rambo um, bullet belts on. Yeah, he's totally um, tooled up. He's got a Rambo bullet belt, like a, the, um, the, the tea towel on the head. That's not being racist. That's just a descriptive term. And a gold dagger. And he looks like a plum, doesn't he? He looks like a... <laughs> looks a little uncomfortable. He looks uncomfortable. We'll speak to Justin Dealey in a little bit. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Boreham with the A1 southbound is heavy between Stirling Corner and Watford Bypass. The Cookham Bridge is still closed between Bourne End and Cookham because of flooding. The major route's still looking good on the speed sense at the moment, much quieter than normal this week so far. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice? Yes? I'm going to say something to you, but you've been to school more recently than me. Sure. Does, does this mean anything to you? Tiny Tim's Winkle bends greatly every cold year. <laughs> no. Doesn't mean anything to you. Shockingly, no. Okay, thank you, Alice. I'm sorry that if you found that offensive. Can we put that out there? It means we're just we're just talking, Catherine and I, about learning things. Wrote and and and, so, and one of the things I learned at school uh, was Tiny Tim's Winkle bends greatly every cold year. I think it was something. Does it mean anything to you, Kelly Betts? You've been to school more recently than me. Any mean anything? No. Is it are you? Is it each? Yeah. Letter. Each letter means so something. TTW. Okay, we could be here for some time. Uh, it's I, one of those T's for threshing. No, it's people involved. I think with the agricultural revolution. Right. Yeah, that's right. We're doing it. We're doing the uh, AR phone in this morning. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Tiny Tim's winkle brains greatly every cold year. Any ideas, Georgina? Absolutely no clue. I, I thought you wouldn't. I'll come to you in a second. 6.47, it's Wednesday the 19th of February, I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A company which ran a privately run clinic in Stevenage where three people died has been given public money to pay for staff redundancies. Health experts say it's worrying that one in three 11-year-olds in Broxbourne in Hertfordshire is overweight or obese. And in sport, MK Dons drew nil-nil at home to Preston last night. Let's get the weather. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, a bit of a murky start to the day, so a fair amount of cloud around, but also a few showers passing through, but things should brighten up a little later on. We may even have some sunshine this afternoon with light west to southwesterly winds. Temperatures, really quite a mild day with temperatures reaching 10, perhaps even 11 degrees Celsius. So tonight, it clouds over ahead of some outbreaks of rain through the night and into tomorrow morning. Uh, we've also got strengthening southerly winds with temperatures down to 7 or 8 degrees. So tomorrow, a wet and windy start to the 
the day, but it should start to improve by about lunchtime. But we will be left with some showers, which could be fairly heavy, perhaps even with some hail mixed in. Uh, the winds ease later, though, with temperatures up to about 11 degrees Celsius. Friday looks like a windy day with more blustery showers, again with perhaps some hail around. Saturday, the better day of the weekend, although it starts off windy with blustery showers, but dries up later on. But Sunday, I'm afraid, a wet day with strengthening southwesterly winds. That's your latest forecast. Thank you very much indeed. Catherine, let me just press this. That means the weather's now finished. Jethro Tull. Yeah. So Tiny Tim's Winkle bends greatly every cold year. The first T was for Tull, as in Jethro Tull, and then you laugh. The folk band. Yeah, but who were the folk band named after? Jethro Tull. Exactly. The man who I think... Am I right here? Well, the Agricultural Revolution fans, and I, I, I know Justin Dealey is a fan of the AR, and we'll speak to him soon. I'm sure that Jethro Tull came up with the concept of crop rotation. Oh. Whereby, one year in field A, you'll plant potatoes, field B, you'll plant carrots, field C, you'll plant, I don't know, something exotic. Like and a, you leave one to arable. You leave one to arable, and then you swap them round. So the right. neutral... I think that was Jethro Tull. Oh, good old Jethro Tull. There you go, you see. Oh, hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why is there a boy's own record queued up? You are having a laugh. I'd rather hear the trail about, I don't know, Mark Forrest or something. Weeknights from seven. This is Mark Forrest. I cannot imagine writing <laughs> on a laptop or a keyboard. It'd be so alien to me. I'll be shining the spotlight on the best of BBC local radio. I went by sea from Liverpool to Montreal, and as we came up to the dock in Montreal, I just burst into tears with pure joy. Hearing from you. Oh, that's lovely, so. I think we should never call now. <laughs> Sharing your stories. I used to come home from work. I'd get in the hot tub, sometimes on my own, sometimes from friends would come round. This is Mark Forrest. Weeknights from seven. Just relax me, because it was my evening. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Bring me 
Williams has done there, Catherine. He's found a groove and he's sticking to it. I, I would like to know what a room without a roof feels like. Cold. Garden? Cold. Well, no, because it's still got walls. So is a garden. Lots of houses. I don't think we should be making light of that because in, in recent um, times with floods, sinkholes, hurricanes, these kind of things, there will be houses that have no without a roof. But it's roof. not a good thing. He's saying it's like it's a good thing. I guess it is in LA. Yeah, well, it would be very nice. Are you happy, Justin? Mm, very, very happy. Great tune, that. Love it. It's a bit... At 3 minutes 51, I would say that uh, Mr Williams could have been a little bit stricter with the uh, editing process. Yeah, it's a bit overkill, but still, it's a nice tune. It's a nice tune. Mm, and that's nice. it. Yeah. That's <laughs> very it. Soulful, very Doesn't really... now, it, it reminds me a bit of uh, that scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when the man's being taken out and saying, I'm not dead, I'm happy! <laughs> I'm it, happy. Do you know what it is? I've just worked out what song it is. He's, re- he's rewritten. Go on. If you're happy and you know it, clap it your hands. hands. Yeah, yeah. If, it's, just, it's, the same, it's the same song, isn't it? Clever boy. He's a very clever yeah. boy. Speaking of clever boys, Justin. Hey, morning, boss. Yeah, no, my boys are coming in later on. Oh, that's what right. I was referring to. Sorry. Right, I don't want you anywhere near them. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. That's Thank fine. you very much yep. indeed. Now, there's a story in some of the newspapers. It's on page three of the mail. Mother to be taken ill on a train, forced, well, really, to sit on the floor because no one gave up their seat. I think this is a myth, mm. Justin. I think it may happen once in a a while, but I have never been on a train or a bus where someone has not offered a pregnant lady a good old-fashioned sit-down. Yeah, I have been the pregnant lady who's not been offered, so... How many times? Well, I was I was only pregnant twice. Okay, so how many times did I it happen? I went on a train probably about ten times. Okay, the question is, how many times were you not offered a seat? <sighs> about half. Half a time? Half the times that I went on. One out of two times. Did you then ask for a times. seat? No. But, well, then... There, Oh, oh, for goodness sake. Well, then there you go. You ask who, do you, who do you pick on? Ex- excuse you look around. Excuse me, you, you look um, able. Up you get. No, you don't do it like... You do it with manners. You say, excuse me, uh, I've got a bun in the oven. Um, I'm up the duff. Would you mind, would you mind if I had your seat? Because I'm feeling a little bit tender. To, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, many of the times when I was offered a seat, I politely declined. Oh! But, oh, here we go. but listen, it's nice. Oh. To be, it's nice to be considered. Here we go. <laughs> Justin D. summed it up there. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Uh, you're talking about Victoria Poskett, who's 40 years old. Uh, she's five months pregnant. In the papers, he's again off. Today. He's, he's off I'm now. Off, I'm off. He's now. off. He's gone. Uh, the picture. She looks very, very angry now. Yes. We said before the show we thought this was a myth. Surely yep. people will be giving up their seats to a pregnant lady. Well, the men that I spoke to all said to me, "Yeah, of course I would do that." Yep. Then I spoke to the ladies, and we got a very different story. Oh. Um, here's some of their experiences. Uh, Madam, good morning. When you were pregnant, did people give up their seats on either buses or trains for you? No, never. No one even stand for me. They would just watch you and leave you standing up. No one ever give me a seat in the bus. Ever? Yeah, no. Yeah, you feel angry because other people, they'll be sitting and then they notice that we are pregnant Mm. and you can't even stand up for a long journey, but they'll just look at you and leave you like that. You must have felt incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, because you'll be standing for a long time and your legs, they'll be hurting. So, and other people, they just watch you standing up and they won't even give you a seat to sit down. And when was this? When were you pregnant? Uh, 2008. So not that long ago? No. So again, not once. Not Not once did somebody offer you a seat. And you were travelling, you were commuting pretty much every single day during your pregnancy. And it was clear that you were pregnant as well. Yeah, 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 I never seen anyone stand up for me, no. What about your experience? When you were pregnant, did people give up their their seats on buses or or trains for you? That was a 50-50. Some did, some didn't. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, but uh, nowadays when you're on the bus, people... 
people don't even get up for the older people, to be honest. So you see it all the time. You're yes. seeing pregnant ladies on the bus and they're standing there and people are just watching and not giving up their seats. Yeah, that's true. What sort of world are we living in? I don't know. It's getting bad. <laughs> it's definitely getting bad. I'm not buying this, Justin. Mm, there you go. I, I'm, not, I'm not buying this, OK? Uh, first of all, I'd, I've never seen it happen. I've never seen it happen. I've always seen someone be offered uh, a, a seat, a pregnant lady be offered yep. a seat. Yep. And secondly, if, you know, I've also had the, the thing where I've offered a seat to a pregnant lady. She's gone, no, thank you. No, yeah, thank you. Yeah, but be nice about it. I was always very nice about it. I'd well, say, oh, thanks, that's really kind of you, but I'm getting off next. If so. you're pregnant and you know it, clap. <laughs> no, if you're pregnant and you know we clap. No, if you're pregnant and you know it... Hmm. Sit down. And you want to sit down... But what down, if you're just about to get off the train? Ask for a chair. Ask somebody, you know, any decent person would give up their seat. I can understand the 50-50 scenario. I do get that. But but that first lady there, she was travelling to work every single day on the bus. Good for her. And again, not once did somebody say to her, you're standing up, would you like my seat? I find that unbelievable. Just what are you doing in the next hour of the show? I'm going to be live at a protest oh. in Luton, a disability protester coming up uh, just before 8 o'clock this morning, Justin, so uh, stay tuned. Justin, we'll be listening out for that, thank you. Did you want to m- m- explain why you were talking about Tiny Tim's a Winkle? Oh, yeah, t- why? Because I saw something in the paper oh, during yes. the song, and it was about how the reason why we're lagging behind in terms of education for children in this country compared to, say, China, is because they still do a lot of rote learning, like yeah. we used to in the olden days. And I still reckon that there's, there's little nuggets of information parked in your brain that you had drummed into your school. We need to know what Tiny Tim's Winkle bends greatly every cold year means, please. 08459 Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things starting to look busier on the major routes now. The M1 southbound is heavy between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and 9 for Redbourne. And the M25 anti-clockwise slow going between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. On the speed sensors, the A5 northbound also looking slow at Dunstable. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Serena Farrow. The headlines. Private company uses public money to pay for redundancies in Hertfordshire. Obese children in Broxbourne and limit on migrants' access to Britain's welfare system. BBC Three Counties Radio. A company which ran a privately run clinic in Stevenage where three people died has been given public money to pay for staff redundancies. Clinic Centre, which is part of the building firm Carillion, was given £3.7 million. Toby Friedner has the details. The surgery centre was in trouble from the start. People dying after routine surgery, loss of patient records and poor administration eventually led to the NHS taking it over. As well as the £3.7 million to fund redundancies and loss of earnings, the Department of Health also picked up the tab of break costs for a loan taken out by Clinic Centre to pay for the building. It's now called the Treatment Centre and GPs are once again referring patients there. Well, stay listening for more as Michael Downing from Hertfordshire Health Watch will be speaking to Ian Lee here on BBC Three Counties Radio straight after this bulletin. 
Elsewhere, health experts say it's worrying that one in three 11-year-olds in Broxbourne in Hertfordshire is overweight or obese. This, despite efforts to tackle the problem, seem to be having an effect with younger children in the area. The new figures come from the government's Health and Social Care Information Centre. And a professor of exercise and obesity will be talking about the ways to appease the situation shortly. Now, people calling for the abolition of ancient manorial rights in Hertfordshire are planning to protest outside Hatfield House this morning. Campaigners are worried the law gives the Marquess of Salisbury claims over the land on which their homes stand on. Gail Sanderson has more. People in Wellingarden City only realised that the Lord of the Manor of Hatfield had claims over their land when they were sent letters saying that the Marquess of Salisbury had manorial rights. They wanted the Marquess to withdraw his rights and have now decided to make it a national campaign to get the law abolished all over England and Wales. Violent clashes have continued in Ukraine throughout the night as riot police made further attempts to evict anti-government protesters from their camp in Kiev's Independence Square. At least 25 people have died in the clashes so far. More locally, a 15-year-old boy's been knocked to the ground in Bedford and stamped on by a cyclist. He was stamped on five times on Chester Road last Thursday. And the government set out details of a further restriction on European migrants. It's all designed to limit their access to Britain's welfare system. It follows moves to restrict access to job seekers' allowance and housing benefit. Turning to the sport, then in the Championship, Watford drew 0-0 away to bottom the table Yeovil last night. And MK Jones drew by the same scoreline at home to Preston. So let's turn to the weather and the odd slight showers possible. Some bright and sunny spells developing. Temperatures reaching 10 degrees Celsius. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Serena. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Wednesday, it's just gone seven. It's cold, it's wet, it's miserable, it's grey. But according to uh, a survey, we are happiest in the morning. Really? Are you buying that? I'm happiest at about 7.50 when the kids are asleep... And I can afford myself ten minutes of television before I go to bed. Or a cheeky little read-up in bed. When are you most happiest? Most happiest, happiest, uh, when are you more happier? Lots to talk about this morning, including big payout in Stevenage, big 11-year-olds in Broxbourne, and big or pregnant. Woman's complaining she wasn't offered a seat on a train when she was pregnant and then she was ill and had to sit on the floor. Well, I kind of think this is a myth. I have never been on a train or a bus or a tube or anything and seen a pregnant woman just standing there not being offered a seat. Give me a call with your stories, please. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555. Now, last year, you may remember, we talked about this quite a bit. We told you about a privately run clinic in Stevenage called the Surgery Centre. Well, local GPs stopped referring patients there after the deaths of three people sent there for routine surgery. Well, it now turns out that the company who ran it, not very well, was given millions of pounds of public money for staff redundancies and to cover any uh, lost earnings. 
Well, given that the problems at the surgery centre were blamed on mismanagement by Clinic Centre, and Clinic Centre is part of the huge building firm Carillion, well, some people are asking, shouldn't they have footed the bill? Joined now by Michael Downing, who is Vice Chair of Hertfordshire Health Watch. Morning, Michael. Good morning. £3.7 million compensation. Uh, What's your take on this? My take on it is it's what I've come to expect from the way these things are run now, but it is still absolutely disgraceful. And I speak not only in my capacity that you've outlined, but as somebody who had personal experience of the incompetence of the way in which the surgery centre was... What was your experience, Michael? Tell us what happened. My experience was I was diagnosed as needing a foot operation, which later I didn't need, but uh, you could never get anybody on the telephone. Nobody ever answered the phone, and messages were never consoled. If I wanted to get any information, for example, from a physiotherapist... I had to go up to the hospital myself. Now, I live 10, 15 minutes' walk from the Lister Hospital, and I'm fairly articulate, and I know my way around the NHS. A lot of people are not. I was not told before the operation, without, again, having to go up and ask, when I was to come off warfarin, which is absolutely crucial. Nor, when my operation was cancelled, the night before it was due, was I told when to go back on. And when I wrote written complaints... On more than one occasion, I never got an acknowledgement, let alone a resolution of the complaints. That's my personal experience. And we've heard lots of stories like that. Also other things that occurred where I think something like 8,500 medical records were lost. And of course, the the ultimate uh, um, uh, was that three people lost their lives. So it's, it's, it, it, it's a, a tainted place. So it does seem odd, then, that £3.7 million is being given to them uh, from the government as compensation. Well, it, it, yes, it, yes, it does, um, I think. <laughs> they should be compensating the NHS users of Hertfordshire for, for, for their um, mismanagement of this operation. What about the and staff? It's not just the... It's not just the uh, <clears throat> The, the company itself, it's those who were supposed to be managing the contract and who agreed the contract in the first place, which was um, doomed. To what about the staff who've <coughs> lost their jobs? It's not... <coughs> some, I mean, some of the staff there were excellent, weren't they? And it's, it's not all their fault. They, yeah. they should be compensated, whole, shouldn't whole, they? Most people have said, who actually had operations there, that they had no complaints. And that the medical staff, who were mostly people who already worked at... They were NHS employees who worked at the Lister Hospital... Uh, were quite competent. Yes, some people have lost their jobs. Um, the responsibility for that should be with, as you said, this very large company, which is uh, well off and in a position to uh, do its duty here. Should not come out of the public purse. Vice Chair of Hertfordshire <coughs> Health Watch, that's your, your uh, position. What would you like to see done to try and prevent this sort of thing happening again? What safety measures can we put in place? Sa- what s- safety measures are constant vigilance, regular inspections carried out by bodies like the Care Quality Commission and local bodies like ourselves. Things are not going to get better because we're moving to a position where, and it's hardly started yet, virtually all health services can be put out to private tender. And it's actually monitoring what's going on could become very much more difficult. It's like a giant game of playing shop, which the NHS is being transformed into. This is no way to run um, a public service uh, that deals with such life and death issues. But bodies like Health Watch and other 
local and national groups have to be perpetually vigilant, as do the local authority um, health scrutiny committee, with whom we work very closely as well. Michael, nice to have you on board. May I, re- may I recommend a little bit of WD-40 for that squeaky hinge in the background? Uh, thank you. Yes, you may. <laughs> Get that sorted. Right. Michael, nice to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Michael Downing, Vice Chair of Hertfordshire Health Watch, 08459 if you want to give me your thoughts on that. Call 08. Email. 3CR at bbc.co.uk. BBC Three Counties Radio. That fingers, isn't it? You can e- you, use my email. My email's better. Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk for then it comes... Oh, but then I don't see it. Well, exactly. I like to see... I don't get... Uh, can, I, can I have access to the texts? Uh, do you really want that? Oh. Can do I give I not... an example of one we've had this morning? Yeah, go on. All in capitals. Yeah. That means they're shouting. Kelly Betts sounds adorable in as much as you could cuddle her to death. I expect she has a sweet little face. Stuart Stewpot hunting Aylesbury books. Well, I would pass Stewpot's uh, email on to uh, the police. I would pass that text on to the police immediately. Thanks, Stewpot. If you... I ever do want to die, I'll be straight round. <laughs> that's, that's the way she'd want to go, isn't it? Uh, should we have a little look at the front page of the papers? Yeah, go on. Go on then. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, let's have a look at the Independent. Uh, incredible pictures from uh, uh, what's going on in Kiev. I don't quite understand what is going on in Kiev or the Ukraine. I don't quite understand. I know there are riots. And isn't it because they were going to join Europe and then Putin kind of went in and said, hey, you're not going to join Europe. You're going to stay part of Soviet Union. We have we give you many blue jeans and big country LPs. That's the second time you've done that voice today. Why? The first time was when you were pretending to not give your seat up for, to a pregnant woman. I was pretending to be Putin, not giving up his seat. Oh, to he her. wouldn't. He'd hey, say it was character building. She should be carrying logs as well. Not give my seat to a pregnant woman. She d- 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 drink the vodka and other racial stereotypes. <laughs> Do you want another text if we're going to just let them through? Yeah, really, sure. Willy nearly. Oh. John in uh, Marsh Farm says, I was made to feel a bit of a perv on a train once when I offered my seat to a pregnant woman. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Ready? Yeah. Mind you, the train was empty at the time. You really want to see these? So, um, also on the front page of the Independent... Oh, this is the story we were doing yesterday. The, uh, the uh, What was it? The data.com. Care.data, that was it. Victory for privacy as NHS database is delayed. You did that. We, I did this yesterday. Not you, sick note. You were off. You better now. Well, I'm starting to feel a little bit... Uh... OK. Uh, collection... Well, we talked about this yesterday. Collection of confidential medical records put on hold after backlash that we started on this show yesterday. Critics feared personal information will be vulnerable to hackers. We exposed that uh, yesterday. Controversial plans to trawl every patient's records from every GP surgery in England have been put on hold amid concerns from doctors, uh, ministers and uh, BBC Three Counties Radio. There you go, you see. That is how you make the news. Uh, the Daily Telegraph... Oh, look, there's, it always seems to be London Fashion Week. Every week is London Fashion Week. Not as far as I'm concerned, it's not. Have you seen what these idiots are wearing? Flipping it. Cheer up, girls. More pictures uh, from Kiev. Flames and death in Kiev as police attack protest camps. Uh, and the PM, benefit cuts give people hope. Uh, um, let me read that sentence again. Benefit cuts give people hope. Um were not the people who were reliant on those benefits to feed their children and house them. David Cameron hits back at Archbishop of Westminster's criticism of welfare reforms, saying it's his moral duty to end cycle of dependency. David Cameron today insists he's giving unemployed Britons new hope and responsibility 
by cutting their benefit payments and claims his welfare reforms are part of a moral mission for the country. Well, if you're on benefits, I'd love for you to call in and let me know what you think about that. 08459 455 555. Benefit cuts, if you're dependent on them, are giving you hope. So if you're struggling to pay the uh, spare room subsidy, the bedroom tax, if you're struggling because um, your disability allowances have been cut, uh, if you're struggling because of those, well, I- is it giving you hope? 08459 455 555. The Prime Minister, writing in the Daily Telegraph, issues a sharp rebuke to Britain's most senior Roman Catholic, the most Reverend Vincent Nichols, uh, who said recent changes had left many in hunger and destitution. If you're reliant uh, on food banks that are popping up everywhere and are being used by more and more people, do benefit cuts give you hope? 08459 455 555. Uh, Mr Cameron... Oh, Matt is away! It says. Mr Where is he? Can't he, can't he email them in? Can't he fax them in? Can't he? Well, surely he has a cover. Does, does no one cover him? Is the job not that important? Catherine Boyle's covering him. You, you're doing another cat? I am, yeah. I'm going to do a cat. Brilliant, OK. I'm thinking the pregnancy debate. Beautiful. It's going to be good. I look forward to seeing that on the Facebook page. Um, do give us a call if the benefits, uh, cuts and changes are affecting you. Do you, think, do you think they give people hope? Slightly... Uh, Controversial words. Oh, my goodness gracious me. What a picture on the front page of The Guardian. It's a gentleman on fire. Wow. Wow. Kiev cracked down. 18 dead as protest camp burns. That's someone on fire. Uh, and uh, India reveals death toll of migrant workers in Qatar. Boom. And job seekers live in culture of fear, say charities. Oh, hang on a second. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. So, The Telegraph. Benefit cuts give people hope. Guardian. Job seekers live in culture of fear. Ian Duncan Smith's Department for Work and Pensions is presiding over a culture of fear in which job seekers are set unrealistic targets to find work or risk their benefits being taken away. Taken away. Leading charities have held have told an official inquiry. Listen, I need to speak to you about this. If you're on benefits, if you are dependent on benefits, if you if they top up what you earn, if they help feed your kids, if they help pay your rent. Oh eight four five nine four double five. Do you think the benefit cuts and changes recently have given you hope, or are you living in fear? Two pretty diverse ways of looking at things, aren't they? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five seven fifteen BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Going between Leighton, Buzzard and Bletchley. On the speed sensors, the A4146 northbound is slow as you pass through Stoke Hammond. Then the M1 southbound heavy between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and 9 for Redbourne. The M25 is struggling anti-clockwise between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Also looking slow between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. 7.16, Wednesday the 19th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hertfordshire Health Watch says regular inspection of a privately run clinic in Stevenage is needed in future to prevent people from dying. 
A further restriction on European migrants has been announced. It's designed to limit their access to Britain's welfare system. And in sport, it was a goalless draw between Watford and bottom of the table Yeovil last night. If you want to give me a call about the things we're talking about, or to be honest, about pretty much anything, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation... Get this roofing company round, see if they can fix the problem and I'll pay the bill. He said, yeah, I did say that. The JVS Show fights for your rights. This conversation went round and round and round. And tackles your consumer problems. So, Roy, the question is, has he paid the bill? Yes, and he was standing there and he handed me an envelope. So I just opened the envelope and I looked inside of it. There's a cheque for £120 and that's it. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk Are you happy? Yes, I'm quite happy. I will give him my fanfare, my horn and any other problems Roy, you know where I am. The JVS Show, weekdays from 9 BBC Three Counties Radio Across beds, hearts and bucks This is Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio Do give me a call, 08459 455 555. Keen to hear your stories about if you've been pregnant, were you offered seats on trains and um, buses and things like that? There's another story about a pregnant woman complaining she wasn't offered a seat. Well, well, yeah, okay, maybe it happens occasionally. But I've never, ever seen, whenever I've seen a pregnant woman uh, on a bus or a train, she's always been offered a seat, either by me or by somebody else. And quite often I've offered a seat and been told, oh, no, I'm all right, thanks. Isn't the, isn't the onus, Catherine, on the pregnant lady to ask for a seat? Oh, really? Yeah. No. Why? I think that we are a caring society. Well, and yes. We should look after each other. And so whether it's a pregnant woman or someone who has um, little children yep. or someone no. who has a heavy no. load to bear... Can I stop you there? ...or someone who needs help getting their suitcase on... Can I stop you there? ...or someone who um, is old... Can I stop you there? ...or someone who has limited mobility... I'm actually going to stop you there. We should be helping each other. What I don't like, right... Mum gets on with two kids, right? They're like seven and eight. So I say, oh, she's got a lot of shopping, she looks tired. Do you, want, do you want to sit down? Oh, that's very kind, thank you. Get up, uh, move away from the seat, the kids sit on there. No, 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 no. I wasn't offering the seat to the kids, I was offering the seat to the mum. Right. So that is... But it's a mother's instinct to look after the children no, first. No, 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 no. I have not offered... Six, seven, eight-year-olds are perfectly capable of standing for extended periods of time. Trust me, I've conducted the experiments. They do not need to be given a seat on a train. I've offered that seat to the mum, not to the kids. OK, well, just so we got that clear, if you do see Ian Lee and he offers you a seat, take special attention to uh, who he's offering it to. Thank you very much. That's, that's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. I'm having a bit of trouble finding a joke for this. Go on. Well, I mean, I've got two women here holding on to the, uh, that thing. Oh, so the suddenly Kath- Catherine is filling in for Matt, the hilarious uh, the, the cartoonist. I don't know how he comes up with them every day. Every day, you see. One-off is easy. Every single day. Now, we've never had more information about healthy eating. If it's not handy leaflets from the government, it's Jamie Oliver banging on about it. But it would seem the constant nagging is falling on deaf ears in one Hertfordshire town. The latest figures from the Health and Social Care Information Centre suggest one in three 11-year-olds in Broxbourne is overweight or obese, a marked increase on the country's average of one in four. GPs, schools and the council have been trying to tackle the problem, but while they've successfully reduced obesity levels in uh, younger age groups, 
The figures for 11-year-olds haven't changed. In fact, there's even been a slight increase. Well, joining me now is Tam Fry from the National Obesity Forum and Dr Z- uh, Julia Zakchevsky, who worked on an international study looking at childhood obesity, also a lecturer in health and nutrition at the University of Bedfordshire. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Tam, let's start with you. This figure of one in three 11-year-olds being overweight, we should be worried, shouldn't we? We really should. Um, Broxburn, if you will, can take a little solace that it's not as bad as uh, some places in the north, which are up to 80%, but it's a disastrous figure. What's going wrong? Uh, A whole number of things are going wrong, but basically uh, not enough exercise and too much eating, and thereby the calories stay on the individual and they get overweight and fat. Well, whose fault is that, Tam? I know it's it's difficult in these situations to poke a finger, but but, but who, who should we be pointing at? It's very difficult to poke poke the finger at the parents, in my estimation. And this is the view which is normally taken by the government. It's personal responsibility that is its fault. Uh, My view is that actually it stems from government, because we all have to live off the same playing field. And if the playing field is uh, tipped towards the food industry, as it is at the moment, that's where the trouble lies. Julia, it's the government's fault, not that of parents. Um, well, whilst I do agree that the government do have to retake some sort of responsibility, um, they have actually tried and they have initiated quite a few interventions over the past few years. And we have sort of seen that obesity has stabilised since 2005. Um, but one thing that I think is important to note is that even though most children are exposed to the same sort of policies, and initiatives, it's clear that some become overweight and obese, while others don't. So there must be other important factors that are involved. And I think at some point, the blame on the government do have to really stop somewhere, and we have to focus on the individual. Um, So one important factor that appears to be quite relevant is the home environment, particularly with um, preschool children. And that sort of period in life is, is really essential for establishing food preferences and um, eating behaviours, opportunities for physical activity that seem to sort of um, create habits for later on later on in life as well. Tam, as, as a parent, my two boys are coming in today, I'm, I'm, I'm dreading it, it's going to be a nightmare, but as a parent I, I, I don't hold the government responsible for what my kids eat it, 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 it's down to me and it's down to my wife and, and generally, if you see a fat kid, they're going to have a fat mum and dad aren't they? There is a real possibility that that is the uh, case, yes, I, I would agree with that. But in the end, uh, you as a parent may not know the half of what your child is eating. You you are responsible uh, in the home for what you give your child. But if you uh, let your child out, as most parents do, to go to school, uh, one of the ruinous things is what they pick up going to school and coming back from school. It's the corner shops, it's the snacks, which are high in uh, salt and fat, which are also responsible for this, and sometimes the parents don't know anything about that at all. But that, isn't that, Tam, isn't that down to uh, education from the parents? We tell our boys, my boys are four and two, they've never had a Coca-Cola, they don't even know Coca-Cola exists. We, we tell them what food are healthy, and, and we kind of, we educate them. 
education is the actual key, and you're absolutely right. But the problem is that for most of the families where the obesity is at its highest level, the education is at its lowest level. And this is where schools come in, and also preschools. And uh, your, your colleague there talking about the preschool uh, uh, area. That is the crucial area which the government has not yet addressed. And we would have the government be much more proactive in getting the healthy messages out, even at nursery school. Because when, the school, uh, when children are young, as you will know yourself from being a parent, they pick up healthy messages far faster than later in their school life. That is the moment where you can actually start to make things felt. You need, as a parent, to give those healthy messages, but you also need to be backed up by the system in schools, in nursery schools, to actually make that solid. Julia, do you think parents realise just how dangerous uh, having overweight children can be for their health? No, I really don't. And I actually think that um, the government should maybe stop focusing on the, the sort of overweight term or body weight or body size and really focus on health um, because ultimately that's why we are concerned about overweight and obesity in this country especially for children and i think um the term health needs to it needs to be placed more emphasis on it's often overlooked really so um i think regarding parents yes they probably do need a bit more support they need to be able to recognize um if their children is at risk from becoming overweight or obese in the future um, because it's often, especially during the preschool period, it's often hard to tell if, if your child is overweight um, um, when compared to an adult. How so do we compare to the might... rest? How do we compare to the rest of the world, Julia? Um, we're, it's not good. Oh. Huh. <laughs> um, so we're we're sort of one of one of the fattest countries in in Europe. Um, and also not not as bad as america but it's it's not good basically and um i think what we do know is that we do although figures have stabilized in the last few years we do need to continue pulling our efforts to try to alleviate childhood obesity um Especially because it tracks into adulthood as well. Tam, so. don't we just need to shake the parents, okay? If, if, a, if a parent was starving a child, that kid would get taken off them. Don't we need to be a bit stricter if they're, if they're overfeeding their children and, and putting them potential health risks? We certainly need to be much stricter, and we, we've been saying this uh, since 2008. But I would like to pick up on what Julia has been saying about recognition. Um, not only parents fail to recognize overweight and obesity in their children, the medical profession do, and there's been a lot written about this subject. What we think is that if we paid more attention to monitoring the weight and growth of our children in the early years, we would be in a much better situation. Uh, that is the way that you can actually identify whether children are putting on proper weight, underweight or overweight. And we, we, we monitor our cars on a yearly basis. We take an MOT to make sure that the car is ticking over okay. We should be doing that to our children. And if we did, we wouldn't have the problem that we have now. Julia, MOD, uh, uh, MOTs for kids? Julia? Sorry? Was it, would you agree with Tam, MOTs for kids? Oh, MOTs for kids. <laughs> um, yeah, 
maybe if that was if that was possible, I think it would be be a great idea. Something pretty drastic needs to be done. So if that's possible, then, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Dr Julia Zakchevsky and Tam Fry from the National Obesity Forum. Uh, Dr Julia, of course, is uh, from University of Bedfordshire. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. I do struggle. I like Tam. And he's good when he comes on. But I do struggle with Tam's argument, it's the government's fault. We need to blame the government. I struggle with that. I mean, I'm, we are responsible for what we feed our children. I know that when they get older and they go out to school and they eat things on their own. But you, you plant the seed that you don't go and have ten Mars bars, you don't go and have three bags of chips and burgers every day. You plant that seed now. Also, we kind of know better. Our generation was a generation of the crispy pancake and the microwave chip. Oh, we know that that's not the answer to our uh, nutritional needs anymore. Can surely. you get microwave chips anymore? I think you can. Would you want to? Oh, yeah. They always look better on the telly, didn't they? They do. I had a, um, a bag of chip shop chips the other day. Oh, man alive. It was dirty, but it was good. Oh, wait, four... Sorry, I've, got, I've gone all um, uh, excited there. You're right, Kelly. You look confused. I was just... I am confused. OK. 08459 four double five five double five is the phone number. Let's get the travel news now with uh, Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1M southbound looking slow around Junction 7 for Stevenage and the M1 southbound is heavy going between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and 9 for Redbourne. Problems on the M25 anti-clockwise. We've got delays between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. There are queues as well between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems, though. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven. I'm Serena Farrow with the headlines. Hertfordshire Health Watch says regular inspection of a privately run clinic in Stevenage is needed in future in order to prevent people from dying. Elsewhere, as you've just been hearing, a health expert says children need educating as a way of dealing with obesity. It comes as one in three 11-year-olds in Broxbourne in Hertfordshire is overweight. Violent clashes have continued in Ukraine throughout the night comes as riot police made further attempts to evict anti-government protesters from Kiev's independent square. And a report shows negative perceptions of young people in the media where they're often portrayed as lazy or yobbish are preventing them from getting jobs. Then the news headlines. Now let's move on to the sport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Kicking off in the Championship and it was a goalless draw between Watford and bottom of the table Yeovil last night. Hornets goalkeeping coach Alec Chamberlain was pleased with a point and a clean sheet. You know, sometimes you, you come away from home and uh, on a difficult night and you have to take what you can get and we've got a, we've got a point we've added to our total and, and we, can, we can certainly do better and play better and hopefully we'll do that on Saturday. Well, MK Dons had the same scoreline against Preston, but Dons manager Carl Robinson wanted more. First half, I felt our two wide plays really deep. So what that gave, it gave their back three opportunities to get up the pitch. We didn't win enough second balls. We defend on the edge of our box really well. Mm. Um, but we give them momentum. Second half, by ch- we had a really weird system. I still can't really describe what it was. It was a four and a half, or three and a half, and a two and a half, and a two and a one. Um, but we just had to try and pull something out the bag with the players that I had available. 
Also in League One, bottom of the table, Stevenage failed to pick up points after a 2-0 defeat at Leighton Orient. Borough manager Graham Wesley wants to develop his team's performance. You know, we, we all want to see a better brand of football from the team. I think they did work the ball, you know, much better tonight on the whole than they have done in you know many of our of our performances in in past weeks. And uh, I think you know for that you've got to look at Jonah's block at the end and say well done rather than the the misplaced pass that ends up conceding the goal. In the Caller Premier Division, Bedford Town lost 4-2 to Corby and St Neots beat Alsea 3-1. Moving on to the Champions League, Manchester City were beaten 2-0 against Barcelona. Finally, Britain's women take on Canada in the semis of the curling this morning and British pair Rebecca Wilson and Paula Walker are lying in 12th place. That's at the halfway stage of the women's bobsleigh. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at 8. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. You can also go to the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. And it's nice to see that so many of you are are going on there, interacting with the show. All of your comments uh, get read, they get looked at, uh, and uh, sometimes if we have the time or we think it's appropriate, we'll reply to them. One of the comments that I spotted uh, this morning, and this was posted 15 hours ago. So, John, I apologise for missing this. This is from John Swainsbury. I wish that boring idiot, Ian Lee, would tell us his phone number a few more times during his so-called show. Only told us 30 times between uh, today, between 8 and 8.30. Spelled and wrong. What a, boring ta- uh, what a boring person he is. How does he get away with it? Well, that's nice to know that um, he's listening and paying attention. So, John, I'm, I'm glad. that I've, I've just posted the phone number up there one more time in case, in case he missed it. Dennis is in Dunstable. What, what do you want about now? Oh... What? Hello, dear boy. How are you? Yeah. Now then. Yes. Balaclavas. We brought the balaclava back yesterday. Even MP Gavin Shuka wore one and had a photo taken. He will regret that one day. No, he won't if he wore the one I've got, because you pull it down, you've got a nice peak across the top. Oh. You pull the rest down, tuck it in the top of your shirt to keep the draft. What? There's a slot just for your eyes. Hang on, uh, you, you tuck it in the top of your shirt? Well, that's right, because pull it down, pull it down to the bottom of your neck. Dennis, 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 I need to see a photograph of this. Well, unfortunately, I haven't got one. Oh. Don't forget, I'm an old man, I yeah. don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. However, it's got a slot there, so you can just see your eyes. You look like a bloke in a burka. Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Shuka, MP, uh, his was his was a, like a classic one. He wore it to go to the uh, Arctic or the Antarctic. I don't know which. Yes. Uh, and it just had eye holes and a mouth hole. Well, there wasn't even a mouth hole in this one. Good. Wish. I wish there wasn't a mouth hole in your face. No, no, no. That's not been very nice. Uh, um, you wanted to talk about something else, Dennis. Well, uh, yes. A, a slip of the tongue when you say February. Whose tongue is slipping where? Your your tongue. Have you had a tooth out somewhere? Because uh, that's happened to me. I've, I've lost a front tooth. Right. And I get a slush a bit now. Yeah. So I'm wondering whether that is what's happened with you when you say February. February? Yes, a bur- bur- there's a bur in there somewhere. Yeah, there's a bur and there's an er. Yeah, I know. February. That's right. February. February. February, yes. February. Ian? Yes. Why don't you pronounce your name Ian if there's a second I? Because it's pronounced Ian. Yeah, but there's a second I in there. Okay, and I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Ian. Ian. There's just a little... That's it. He just did it. Do that again, Dennis. That's it. Anyway. There you go. You see? Thank you. You can borrow my... Malaclava any time you like. That's a, that's going to be the title of my autobiography, it is Dennis. A, it's a brand new one, so it's not being used. Pre- so get somebody to pick it up and you can have it. 
pregnant women, Dennis. Yes. What are we going to do with them? Wait till they till they drop. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Trucker Chris. Hello, my boss. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm getting worried because Catherine wants to show me something. I'm trying to ignore her. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this is a very good morning to that lovely Manchurian lash, the trucker's favourite lady, Catherine. Whoa, this for, morning. Why? What's honk honk? Sick Pardon? note. Sick note's back. Yeah. Yeah, she's not back. Yeah. What do you What do you uh, want to say to Sick Note then, Chris? Yeah. Um, well, a couple of years ago, it's one of the very few times that I've actually used a bus. Oh yeah. Uh, tell uh, Catherine. Catherine, you mm. talk to Chris. I'm sitting this one out. Go on, Chris. Tell me all about it. Hello, sweetheart. Hello. How's that lovely Manchurian lass of ours, Lady <laughs> Catherine? All the better for hearing from you, Chris. How, yeah. How's the trucking going? Where are you off to today? Uh, I'm on the way down to London with a shed load of chemicals. Ooh. Yeah, it's a bit, bit, bit nasty. But, you take uh, it easy as you go. I uh, will do, and you, my sweetheart. All right, tell me what happened on this bus, then. Yeah, OK, sweetheart. So what happened on the bus? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, say to Ian, uh, a couple of years ago, it was the first time I've used a bus in a long, long time, and it was uh, pretty full. And uh, a lady got on with a broken leg and crutches. Um, I stood up to give her my seat, which she took, and the bus driver asked me to leave the bus. What? But, yeah, because apparently um, it's up to the discretion of the bus driver to who he lets stand on the bus. And I was asked to leave, but he wouldn't move the bus until I got off. Flipping it, what a story. Right, do you mind if I just put you through to Ian with this one? It's a belter. Hang on. Ian, call for you. OK, we're going to go back to Trucker Chris. Morning, Chris. Hello, boss man, how are you? Yeah, I'm oh, good, thank you. Chris, what have you got for me? Uh, well, I was just saying to Catherine there, uh, a couple of years ago, it was one of the very few times I used a bus. Yeah, what and happened? It was, and it was pretty full, and a lady got on, on cr- with crutches with her leg in plaster, and I was offered her my seat, which she duly took, and the bus driver asked me to leave the bus because he wasn't prepared what? to let me stand. He did what? He asked me to leave the bus. Apparently, yeah. they have a ruling on the buses that um, it's up to the discretion of the bus driver to who he lets stand or how many people he lets so stand. You, hang on a minute. So you gave this pregnant woman the seat? Yeah. And you had to get off the bus? Yeah, he asked me to leave the bus. He wouldn't move the bus until I got off. Hang, hang on a second. Kelly, Kelly. Sorry, I've just come back in. What's happened? Kelly, this is an ama- Kelly's just been out to the loo. This is an incredible story. Chris, tell Kelly the story. Yeah. Um, so, one of the few times I was um, on a bus. Or, yeah, you, you were on a bus. Or, yeah, 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 I was sitting, I was on the bus and the bus was pretty full. Yeah. And uh, a lady got on with crutches and a, a broken leg. She was standing, and I offered her my seat, which she duly took. Yeah. And then the bus driver asked me to get off the bus because he wasn't prepared to let me stand. That's outrageous. Yeah, so now I won't, uh, I won't get up now. But, well, I don't use a bus anymore, you know, but, but if I was on a bus, I wouldn't get up. Oh, that's a I, shame. I, I wouldn't get out of the seat. You know, so uh, they'd have to stand as far as I'm concerned now. Justin? Who's, who's this on Fader 3? Who have we got here? Should be Justin. Justin, are you there? Justin! Oh. Justin, I think he's he just can't believe the story. Chris, I want I want the, I want Justin to hear this because he won't he won't believe this. Get 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 Justin up. This is incredible. So the driver, tell me again, Chris. Yes, mate. Tell me again. Yeah, I was, a couple of years ago, I was on a bus and the bus was pretty full, and a lady got on crutches and her leg in plaster, and I offered her my seat, which she duly took. And then I was asked to get off the bus because the bus driver wasn't prepared to let me stand. Right. And, and apparently, it's up to the bus driver who he lets stand or not, and how many. So she wasn't... And he, and he, and she he wouldn't move the bus until I got off. So she wasn't pregnant, she had a leg in plaster? Yeah, she had a leg in plaster, yeah, she was on crutches, yeah. Were, were you not tempted to say to her, 
Excuse me, love. There's been a bit of a mix-up. Uh, can I have that seat back? I felt like it. But, I mean, what could you do? <laughs> you know. Well, I would have. You're already plumped or bum in the, in the square, like you know. Well, I would have. I would have said. Uh, well, I was a bit miffed, you know. But I mean, I created a little bit and threw me dummy out the pram, and he gave me he gave me me fare back. But that's not the point, you know. I mean, I was already on the bus. We've got we've got a work experience working here, Chris. We got um, uh, Clary is a work experience. Morning, Clary. Oh yeah. Clary, excellent cup of coffee that you're doing. And oh, thanks. You enjoy working at BBC Three Counties. It's all right. You having fun? Yeah. Think, what, what do you want to be when you uh, grow up? Um, I wouldn't mind being on the radio a bit. Well, you're on the radio a bit now, Clary. It's Listen, fun. Chris has just called in. Chris? Yes, mate? Tell Clary the story, because I don't think she'll believe this. <laughs> well, you want me to tell her at yeah, all now? Tell Clary, go on, because she was out. She wouldn't yeah. have heard this. Right, I was on a bus a couple of years ago. Yeah? Uh, the bus was pretty full. A lady got on with crutches and a broken leg. And I offered her my seat, which she duly took... I stood up and the bus driver asked me to leave the bus because he wasn't prepared to let me stand. And apparently it's up to the bus driver to who or who or how many people we let stand, if can, any. Can you believe that, Clary? That's crazy. Justin. Morning, boss. Listen, we just had Chris call in. Mm. Right. Um, Chris, tell Justin your story because I don't think he's going to believe this. <laughs> go on. Go on, go on, Chris. Go on, Chris. <laughs> I'll tell, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, Justin, not a lot of people know this, mate. OK, Chris, I'm ready for it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. A couple of years ago, I was on a bus, mm-hmm. which is one of the rare occasions. The lady, and it was pretty full, and the lady got on with crutches and a broken leg. Right. I offered her my seat, which mm. she duly took. Yep. Then the bus driver asked me to leave the bus because he wasn't prepared to let me stand. What? Yeah, exactly. What? That's <laughs> well, ridiculous. I threw, well, I threw me dummy out the pram. Yeah. Jumped, jumped up and down, pulled what air I got out, and <laughs> uh, got me got me fair back. But I still had to get off the bus. But this is the problem, though, Chris, isn't it? Because you know, some people, uh, w- when they do give up their seat for whatever reason, have a negative experience, and then that will then put you off from from doing the same in the future, won't it? Well, well, well it has. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, that was one of the very rare occasions. <laughs> no, I drive everywhere usually, but that was one of the very rare occasions that I actually. Use the bus, you know. And it, Crazy. But what I couldn't understand was why did he? Why would he be willing to let her uh, stand? Yeah. And not me. Chris, stay there a second. Richard and Stephen have just called in. Morning, Richard. Morning. Richard, you wanted to have a word with Chris, did you? Yeah, Chris. I, I was just listening to your story about um, having to stand up on the bus, but I didn't catch the end. Could you just repeat the story for me? Chris, can you tell the story again to just uh, to Richard? Hello. Yeah, Chris, can you hear me? Yeah, just about. Richard yeah. just called in. He missed the story. Could you tell him the story again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was on a bus a couple of years ago, and it was pretty full. And uh, a lady got on with crutches and a leg in plaster. I stood up and offered her my seat, which she duly took. And then the bus driver asked me to get off the bus because he wasn't prepared to let me stand. That's incredible. Yeah, apparently, um, I was informed that it's up to the bus driver to who he lets stand and how many, and when. What do you, what do you reckon I'm, to that, Richard? Well, I have to remember that next time I'm on a bus. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it is incredible. Uh, we can just go to Alice. Yep. Alice, uh, it's Ian here. Alice, uh, Richard, Alice, Alice. Is, our, is our travel <laughs> expert. Alice, Richard has just told us an amazing story about... Okay. I'm not going to... Richard, tell Alice... Uh, the, the, the Chris, sorry. Tell uh, Alice the story. <laughs> Hello, sweetheart. Hello. Uh, yeah, I was on a bus a couple of years ago. Uh, it was pretty full. A lady got on with crutches and a busted leg in plaster. 
I offered him my seat, which he took, and then the bus driver asked me to leave the bus because he wasn't prepared to let me stand. But he was prepared to let her stand. What? Yeah, exactly, what? <laughs> so that doesn't make any out. sense. Yeah, so I threw my dummy out of the pram, jumped up and down, and uh, he gave me my fare back, but I still had to get off the bus. Why he did you that have one to out. get off the bus? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why was he prepared to let a lady with a busted leg stand, but not me? Richard... It's a great... Uh, sorry, I keep calling you Richard. Chris, it's a great story. Do you reckon yes, we could get you on after 8 o'clock to tell that story on air? Yeah, you can do, if well, you let me know when. Well, I'll tell you, we'll, we'll give you a call back a bit later. And we'll, if, cause it, was, it, was, it was, sounds great. I think the listeners would like to hear that as well. So we'll get you on air a bit later. Yeah, OK. Well, I'll, do is I'll keep my hands free and my phone in my pocket. So, uh, so I should be... Uh, yeah, pick you up anywhere, then. Good lad, Chris. I'll speak to you later on. I'm sure the listeners will want to hear that. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, I haven't got any exciting bus stories, but starting with the speed sensors, the A5 southbound slow going through Mark Yate and the A1M southbound struggling around Junction 4 for Hatfield. The M1 southbound heavy around Junction 9 for Redbourne and the M25 anti-clockwise is queuing between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Public transport all looking good. We've got no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> Alice, thank you for indulging us. Thank you, Chris. 7.45, BBC Three Counties Radio. These are your headlines. Hertfordshire Health Watch says things will just get worse if clinics, which deal with the uh, public-run service, are managed privately, like the one in Stevenage. A further restriction on European migrants has been announced. It's designed to limit their access to Britain's welfare system. And in sport, MK Dons drew nil-nil at home to Preston last night. I'm looking forward to the weather report that we're about to get when I press this button now. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Away you go, Georgina. Oh, hello there. A bit of a murky start to today, but uh, some showers passing through as well this morning, but things should brighten up later on with some sunny spells, perhaps even in the afternoon. Light, to we- light west to southwesterly winds today, with temperatures reaching 10 or 11 degrees Celsius. Tonight, it clouds over ahead of some outbreaks of rain. We've also got strengthening southerly winds through the night, with temperatures not dipping that far, down to about 7 or 8. Tomorrow, a wet and windy start to the day, but certainly improving by lunch time. Um, it may leave some showers behind, which could be fairly heavy, perhaps with some hail mixed in in the afternoon. But the winds ease later on. Temperatures up to about 11 or 12 degrees. And Friday, a windy day with blustery showers, perhaps with some hail again. Saturday is the better day of the weekend, but it does start off fairly windy with blustery showers, but at least it's a little drier later on. Sunday, we've got a, a wet day with strengthening southwesterly winds. That's your latest forecast. Thank you very much, Georgina. On Saturday afternoon, Three Counties Sport will take you to the heart of the action. And it's another hat-trick for Andre Gray. We'll bring you four more live and uninterrupted commentaries. Here comes Deeney, right footed, down the middle and scores, and Watford take the lead here. Watford, MK Dons, Stevenage and Luton. It's Francois Rocco, who's forced the loose ball in. Get all the build-up, choose your local team, and then have your say after the game with Three Counties Sport. MK Dons have got their three points. 
Saturday from two here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be uh, listening to Trucker Chris and his story a little bit later on. In the good story, wasn't it, Just? It was a very good story. I'm keen to hear that again after eight o'clock. To well, be quite honest with you. Uh, well, we'll make sure that uh, we do get to it now. On to slightly more serious uh, matters. Disability rights campaigners will be protesting outside Cresta House in Luton from eight o'clock this morning. It's part of a national demonstration against Atos. Uh, Atos Healthcare. They're the company that carry out the assessments on behalf of the Department for Work and Pensions. Protesters say that Atos are killing disabled people by forcing them to go back to work when they aren't well enough. Well, Justin, you're in Alma Street now. Uh, what's the scene like? How many protesters have we got? Well, we have uh, one protester who has literally ah. just turned up. Uh, that is uh, Mark Scheiman, who's turned up with a, a giant flag here. Uh, Mark, good morning. You're live across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. So uh, things changed in 2011. Um, just describe to our listeners how things have changed since then. They sh- changed terribly because the right-wing press has given the opinion that anyone receiving benefits is a slacker and is taking advantage of anyone seriously anyone amongst some of the most terrible questions which the company upstairs atos ask you and you are given no choice to give a reply to is if you have a partner do you have sex with them that's one of the questions that is one of the questions and you are not given a chance to say no because that will show your capability to go to work if you can have sex with your partner so you're telling me that uh, this company, Assos, who, uh, uh, as you say, rightly behind us, uh, they are forcing people to go back to work when they are not ready. That, that's why you're here, so that's why you're protesting. That's right. Since 2011, over 10,600 people have died directly after the re- their Atos assessment being refused. And you know that for a fact, do you? Know that for a fact. It's been How reported you know in the House of Commons uh, and uh, from the Department and Work and Pensions. Okay, what's got to change, Mark? If you think the system is unfair, what's got to change? Disabled people need a caring prosthetic leg up, not a hard-hitting knock-down. But surely you've got to admit there are people out there who want to play the system, so they won't have to go to work. Surely the system in place here will make it fairer so people can't make these fraudulent claims. There are people out there who are doing that. You've got to admit that. Come on. No, I I don't believe I've got to admit that because they are massively outweighed by the large number of people that are simple, caring, helping hand and not the abuse that's going on would enable their lives. It lets them look after their children, it avoids them taking other benefits, it helps them be self-employed, it helps them get to work each and every day. If you're a disabled person, it's a struggle to get to work and many disabled people do that each and every day and this system is really another step to hurting them and we need to close Atos right now, disable Atos today. Now you have got your flags with you this morning um, you're the only person here so far. How many people another, do you think? Another, okay, another two over there, so three of you. So how many people do you think are going to be here in Luton today? We're expecting about 100 people out today and we'll be protesting until 10 o'clock this morning. So we look forward to getting that message out and showing people who are actually coming to be assessed by Atos today that there is hope over... of the Atos claims when they're turned down are appealed 
and they are one on appeal. It's all very well 100 people being here today, but this protest here and protests up and down the country, do you honestly think you're going to make any difference whatsoever? Yes, because if it lifts the abuse that many disabled people feel, that sort of turning round when people look and don't give way, and people who are able-bodied park in disabled people's spaces, that uncaring attitude, that's what needs to change. And by removing that and removing this one nasty op obstacle, we will make sure that okay. disabled people get better. Two final questions, quite briefly on these questions. Um, obviously, you're going to be here today. Uh, we've mentioned that much. Um, we're talking about pregnant ladies this morning and people not giving up their seats for them. Um, just to kind of touch on something there, you're saying it's not just the government here. You're saying it's, it's the nation as a whole who are against disabled people. You're, you're still getting looks. You're still getting a, a negative right. response simply because you're disabled. You're honestly saying that, Mark. Yes, quite honestly. You know, I will get people shouting out, you're not disabled simply because I walk with a walking stick. And you're getting that, what, weekly or monthly? Weekly, all the time it happens. And, you, you know, it's my right to park in your space. You know, that kind of attitude. And will this be peaceful today? This will be peaceful because we are peace-loving people and we want positive messages. We want to tend, send a positive vibe to the disabled community throughout the three counties to say, do not give up. Keep your head up high. You're worth much more than this. You're passionate. I'll give you that. Thank you, Mark. There you go. Mark Sharma joining us live on the programme, Ian. So I'm outside uh, Crestor House here in Luton, uh, Atos Healthcare. There's a demonstration here in Luton and at every single Atos Healthcare Centre up and down the country. And as Mark says, they're going to be here peacefully until 10 o'clock this morning. Justin, thank you very much indeed. Lynn's in Hemel. Morning, Lynn. Morning, Ian. Lynn, you'd like to have your say on this. Well, I've been through the Atos performance. What was it like? It's pathetic, really, because my doctor had already told them that I wasn't able to work, I'm disabled, I can't walk very much. But they still insisted I went. You're supposed to go once a year. And he wrote to them and said, well, if you want her there, you'll have to get her a cab there and back because she can't use public transport. So they paid, it must have been, I don't know if it's £15 return or something. Oh. From Hamilton Luton, something like that. Yeah. They've got steps that you have to get up to get to the building, which other disabled people have complained about. This has been one of the issues raised, that if you're in a wheelchair, you can't get in there. They have got lifts, I must admit. But when you get there, I mean, twice I went, I didn't even get my blood pressure checked. I didn't get... The first time I went, no, sorry, they asked me to walk up and down a bit and various things. The second time I went... They didn't ask me to do anything. They didn't even take my blood pressure. Oh. And they do ask you questions like, um, are you able to have sex? Oh. That, the the things like that are a little questions. bit impro inappropriate, aren't they? It's totally because, I mean, just because, I'm not being funny, it might last five minutes a bit different than sitting in an office or somewhere else for eight hours, isn't it? I think they are quite intrusive. I, I, uh, Lynn, I'm, I'm being slightly distracted because I've got two very naughty little boys have just turned up. At oh, your sons. Two, two very <laughs> a four-year-old and a two-year-old have just turned oh, they're up. Your boys. They're, and they are in the studio next door. Are they? Are they behaving themselves? They've been very good considering uh, who their dad is. So, hey, just, just yes. listen. I have. I have said, please. Um, Kelly, oh, yeah. I, I did want you to hide before they oh, came. Sorry. And Catherine, I want you to treat me with respect. respect Mo okay. Morning, boys. Do you want to say good morning? Say good morning. Say good morning. 
They're waving. <laughs> they're, they're waving at me, Lynn. I'll see if but I can... If they've got any of your genes, they're not going to behave, are they? No, they... I They'll th- be too big for him. I think they're going to be... Oh, oh dear. <coughs> oh, dear, is that a little cough? Oh, my poor little boy. Right, well, Lynn, thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a lovely day. And you. Thank you very much, Lynn. Morning, boys. Hello, boys. Hello there. Do you want to come in? Do you want to come in? Do you want to come in here? They're going to come in here. This could be the uh, this could be the thing that gets me sacked. This could be a nightmare. <laughs> oh look, they're rushing round. They're very. They're never this excited to see me. Let's see what. Um, let's see what they have to say for themselves. What have they got lost. It's a long way with little it legs. A- Hello, boys. Hello. Hello. Do you want to come and be on the radio with me for a second? Hello. Oh, right. So, do you want to come up here as well? Yeah, you want to come up here? Right, what we have here, this is where I work, and what you need to do is, can you say hello to the people in that microphone? Hello. Do you want to say hello? Do you want to say... Do you want to... What What would you like to say to the people of Beds, Hearts and Bucks? I don't know. You don't know what you want to say? Do you want to sing them a song? No. Do you want to sing a song, Kimmy? Uh, no? Come on, Kimmy. You're going to sing a song? Uh. Shall, what, shall I sing a song? Yes? No, Kim can. Okay. Do you not want to sing a song? Kim What happens if I, what happens if I press this button here? <laughs> what happens if I press this button? <laughs> what happens if I press this little button here? <laughs> oh, no! Oh, oh, no! I got the laughter button! <laughs> so you're going to hang out with me all morning while I do some work? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a, a bit now. Shall I put my headphones on? So I was like this. Oh, is he hurting your leg? Oh, you've got your boots on. Have you been out in the puddles? No. No? There we go. That's it. Wake up with a cough. Should I, I'm going to look at the front pages of the newspapers. Should I do that? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh dear. Yes. We got a little snack on the way. Oh, what snack did you get? Some cakes and some chocolate brioche. <laughs> oh, how posh. Have you got it? Did you save any for me? Yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 Where is it? Dada. Yes. When will you come home? <laughs> <laughs> Not soon enough. <coughs> I've got. To, I've got. To, are you off, young man? You going? You're going to go and see Mama? Oh, hang on, we're all tangled up. Oh, blimey. Are you both going? Well, that was a quick visit. Oh, no, you got yourself... Oh, dear. Uh, I've got to do another hour of this nonsense. And then... I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at the front page of the newspapers and tell... Yes? I can see the map. What map? Is this actually going out on the radio? Yeah. <laughs> it's better than the usual stuff. <laughs> OK, so I'm going, to re- I'm going to tell you what's on the front page of the newspaper and you tell me your thoughts, OK? House prices soar by seventeen thousand uh, pounds. I don't know. Okay, so that means houses are going to become more expensive. Why? Because I don't know why the prices are going to go up. Could you afford to buy a house? I know why. Why? Because the water is going up. Because the water is going up, so the house prices are going up. Yeah. That's yeah. a good idea, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And who have you brought with you this morning? Uh, You've got George Bear talking to this nice and loudly, right? What I want you to do now is I want you to introduce the travel news. Can, so can you say... What does that mean? It means that a lovely lady called Alice is going to talk to us about the road. So can you say, here's Alice with the travel. Here's Alice with the travel. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio.
That's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> I want that introduction all the time. On the speed sensors, the A404 looking very heavy in both directions between the Handycross roundabout heading towards Marlow. And the A1M southbound is slow around Junction 7 for Stevenage. On the M25 anti-clockwise, those delays now going between Junction 20 for Kings Langley and 16 for the M40. Public transport still looking good, no reported problems there. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Are you off? Do you not I'm want just to... going to take my coat off. You're going to take your coat off. I need you to do something very important in a second. Can we, can we to do it? This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get back on track in a second. This is the future of broadcasting. They're starting younger. I need you to do me a favour. In the microphone, can you now say, here's the news with Serena. Here's the news with Serena. Fantastic. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Lines. Safety measures for health centre in Hertfordshire, obesity rises in Broxbourne, and migrants' access to Britain's welfare system limited. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hertfordshire Health Watch says things will just get worse if clinics which deal with a public run service are managed privately, like the one in Stevenage. Clinic Centre, which is part of building firm Carillion, was given £3.7 million to pay for staff redundancies at the Surgery Centre. That's despite three people dying there. Michael Downing from Hertfordshire Health Watch says it's ludicrous. We're moving to a position where virtually all health services can be put out to private tender and it's actually monitoring what's going on could become very much more difficult. It's like a giant game of playing shop which the NHS is being transformed into. This is no way to run um, a public service that uh, <coughs> deals with such life and death issues. Well, stay listening for more as Joe Weiss, a regional organiser from Unison, will be speaking to Ian Lee here on BBC Three Counties Radio shortly. Now, health experts say it's worrying one in three 11-year-olds in Broxbourne in Hertfordshire is overweight. This despite efforts to tackle the problem. The new figures come from the government's Health and Social Care Information Centre. Tam Fry from the National Obesity Forum says the government's to blame. It stems from government because we all have to live off the same playing field. And if the playing field is uh, tipped towards the food industry as it is at the moment, that's where the trouble lies. Different views elsewhere, though, from Dr Julia Sakshevsky. She's a professor of exercise and obesity at the University of Bedfordshire and thinks it's at home where good habits start. Particularly with um, preschool children. And that sort of period in life is, is really essential for establishing food preferences and um, eating behaviours, um, opportunities for physical activity that seem to sort of um, create habits for later on. Away from local news now, violent clashes have continued in Ukraine throughout the evening as riot police made further attempts to evict anti-government protesters from their camp in Kiev's Independence Square. At least 25 people have died in the worst clashes. Despite disability rights campaigners will be protesting outside Crester House in Luton. From now, it's part of a national demonstration against Atos Healthcare, the company who carry out the assessments on behalf of the Department for Work and Pensions. And the government set out details 
details of a further restriction on European migrants, all designed to limit their access to Britain's welfare system. It follows moves to restrict access to job seekers' allowance and housing benefit. Turning to the sport in the Championship, Watford drew 0-0 away to bottom the table Yeovil last night, and it was the same scoreline for MK Dons and Preston. Staying in League One, bottom of the table, Stevenage also lost out 2-0 at Leighton Orient. Weather, and there will be the odd light shower around, but brighter and sunnier this afternoon, 10 degrees Celsius. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Don't worry, I apologise for any professionalism you may have heard in the last 15 minutes. We're back to rank amateurism now. Don't you worry, the boys are in the house, the boots have been taken off. That means that they're getting comfortable. They're getting comfortable. You got, did you bring any snacks to them, Catherine? I didn't, but do you know oh. what? I'm starting to get really broody for my little girls. Oh, Can I bring, bring them in? Bring them in, totally, of course. I'll make some calls. Yeah, get them in. Lots to talk about between now and nine o'clock, including a big payout in Stevenage, big 11-year-olds in Broxbourne, and pregnant women not being offered seats on buses and trains. Does it really happen? I've never, I've never seen it where they don't get offered a seat. They've always been offered a seat, as far as I'm concerned. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can uh, send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, dear me. Uh, let's do some of these Facebook comments. Uh, Jane says, I would certainly give up my seat to a pregnant lady. Buster says, so would I. It's hardly news. Well, I, I think this is the thing. Page, where is it? Page three of the mail. This lady, uh, Victoria Poskett, five months pregnant. She wasn't offered a seat on the train. Then she got taken ill and she had to sit on the floor. Well, I, we hear it. Every now and then we hear a story about a pregnant woman not being offered a seat and it prompts a phone in and we send out Justin and he does boxes and things like that. But I do wonder... How often it happens? I think it's, it's a rarity, isn't it? It can't happen that often. Every time I've been on a train I've, and a pregnant woman's been there, someone's offered them a seat. More often than not, they say, no thanks, I'm all right, I don't fancy it. Christian says, people who don't give up their seat should show some respect and give them up. Perhaps people who don't are of the lazy generation. And Drake says, why are people who pay thousands of pounds a year to commute having to stand on a train anyway? That's the real scandal. That's the real scandal. Is, it, is everything all right in there? Yeah, it's fine. He's <laughs> turning to a crash. Where I'm used to it. I'm just, going, I'm just going to the happy place that we mums know about. There you go, you see. Are, are you all right in there, boys? Are you all right? Yeah, good boy. OK, we'll see you in a little bit. I need to talk to some people, and then we can go out and play. Uh, now... Uh, BBC Three Counties Radio has learned a private company which ran a failing surgery centre in Stevenage was paid millions of pounds in compensation. Clinicentre, which is part of building firm Carillion, was given £3.7 million of public money to fund redundancies and the loss of potential earnings. The company was severely criticised for the way it ran the surgery centre following the deaths of three people. Well, Joe Weiss is a regional organiser from Unison. Good morning. Is it Joe or Joanna? What do you prefer? Oh, Joe is fine. Joe Joanna will... is three syllables is far too many. Joanna is when you're being told off and Joe is when you're told. Joe, what's your reaction to this payout? Well, I'm extremely angry, as I expect all local people are that live in the area. Um, the fact is, 
that the private company has failed to provide those services to the standard required of the NHS, and it's walking away with nearly £4 million of our money, taxpayers' money, in their back pocket. I think local people will be extremely angry to find out that nearly £4 million of their hard-earned cash has been paid to this private company to reward them for their massive failures. Patients' lives at risks totally failing in their duty of care to the patients, to the community, and also to the dedicated staff that work there. We raised our concerns, Unison raised our concerns, at the very start of the consultation for this contract, and we've been proved right yet again. I guess uh, part of it is because the, the significant portion of this money will be going to pay those people who've lost their jobs, won't it? Well... You can guarantee not all of it, and they they have done very well, Carillion, out of this contract. Unfortunately, the people that suffer are the people that are left behind trying to put this service back together. Uh, stay there, uh, Joe. We're joined by, now by Roy Lilly, who's a health policy analyst and former NHS Trust chairman. What do you think about the way it's been handled, Roy? It's a shambles. Disgrace. Um, I, I can't disagree with anything that Joe has said. I mean, here is a, a, a company that's, that's failed to deliver the goods, and they've been paid off and got rid of. Now, that's because of the nature of the contract. They're, they're, what, what is in the contract, when, uh, the termination of the contract, says that these, these sort of uh, payments should be made. Now, that's, in, in my view, I think the contract was naive, and I think the NHS was stupid to pay it. Frankly, I'd have said, look, you've made a mess of this. We don't want you anymore. Cheerio. Sue us. Because there's no way that a company like this is going to sue the NHS. What could they say? We're suing you for some money because we made a mess of our contract. I'd have shown them the door. Uh, and I think it's been handled badly, bungled, and frankly, I'd like to uh, find out who exactly who was the contract manager with this and uh, get them on the programme and ask them why the hell they forked out all this public money. Well, we, we, we've tried to get someone from uh, from uh, Clinic Centre on. Of course, they, they've said no, and uh, NHS England uh, have said nothing uh, to us. What sort of... There doesn't seem to be any fallback, does there, Roy, when privatisation no, goes wrong in the NHS? This is the problem. Look, I mean, nobody's got anything sort of spiritually... Uh, <laughs> so spiritual objections about working with the private sector. I mean, the private sector is, you know, it's our lives, isn't it? The high street's full of companies and our lives are full of companies that provide us with great products and choices at great prices and all the rest of it. And the NHS shouldn't be any different. And there are some great organisations that the NHS partners with and contracts with and does a great job. The problem we've got is that all of the services that are provided either publicly or provided uh, publicly or privately are what you would call mission critical if we don't do them then there's a big problem so when a company like Carillion goes down the pan uh, there's a big problem and well, we saw it a year two years ago I think it went Southern Cross the big provider of care homes went down the pan um, the NHS and the Department of Health ran around like headless chickens wondering what to do because there is is no plan B. There's no exit route. When a contractor fails to provide under a mission-critical contract, you've still got patients backing up, you've still got people at risk, something's got to happen. So what happens is the only thing 
that can happen is the NHS steps in and tries to sort the problem out. And so the, the critics of engaging with the private sector are saying, well, look, if, if the NHS has got to sort it out anyway, why doesn't the NHS just do it and stop all the costly palaver of contracting with companies that when they do go broke, there's no plan B? Well, I was going to ask you, Joe, do you think this, this uh, should put a stop to further privatisation of the NHS? I, absolutely, and I couldn't agree with Roy Moore. Unfortunately, this is happening all over the country. The Department of Health is paying private companies millions of pounds to run NHS services, and when these companies fail, as they inevitably do, they reward them with massive payouts of millions. It's got to stop. The government is lying to us. They tell us that the NHS spending is ring-fenced. It's ring-fenced to fund the privatisation of the services. Our precious NHS by the back door. If not, maybe somebody could tell me why this particular hospital, along with hundreds of others, is being told to make millions of pounds worth of savings year on year. Resources and services have been cut to the bone. And do you know who they're coming for next? We've already got 10,000 nurses less than we had a few years ago. They're coming for your nurses, they're coming for the people that look after your sick mum and dad, your children, your elderly grandparents. There won't be anyone left to look after us soon. We won't have an NHS. Roy, do you think people should be worried? Well, I I think... I mean, a lot of, it depends where you come from. I mean, a lot of people are saying, look, the NHS is the last bureaucratic organisation of its kind anywhere in the world. A bit of competition from the private sector is no bad thing. And there's probably a lot of logic and common sense in that. And it is also true that large parts of the NHS are being denationalised. I wouldn't go as far as to say privatised, because privatising means selling off of the entire assets like the railway systems or, or British Airways and things like that. But large parts, ways of the services now, particularly in community services, are being provided by private companies. Now, and generally speaking, they engage ex-NHS staff to provide the services. But what the, what the problem is, is when something goes wrong, there's no one to turn to. So, uh, unlike, you know, in, in, if you want to run a football club, you've got to have a fit and proper person test to make sure you're the right person to run a premier game football uh, team. That doesn't exist. Um, if if there's a big contract, um, then generally speaking, there, there are contract performance measures and, and an exit route if something goes wrong. There isn't the same exit route plan B in the NHS. And of course, the other thing is that NHS staff have been trained in the NHS at public expense. And there is no way that the private companies contribute to the training of staff. They just let the taxpayers pay for the training, nurses and doctors and all the rest of it in hospitals. And then they take the staff on and they sack them or make them redundant or toopy them or, or whatever. So they don't. So there's no training board levy, for, like there is, for example, in the building industry. So there are, there are a lot of parallels where the NHS isn't doing this right. And of course, every time there's a failure, it just, it just feeds the critics. Thanks very much for your time, both of you. Roy Lilly, health policy analyst, former NHS Trust chairman, and the other voice you heard there was Joe Weiss, who is uh, a regional organiser from Unison. 08459 555555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm being told the boys next door... Are the boys... Are the boys... Are you behaving yourselves, boys? Are you behaving yourselves, young men? 
Yes, I think they are. It looks like one of them. Are they being good, Kelly? They're being really good. It's lots of fun. <laughs> you sound like you're saying that through gritted teeth. No, I'm not at all. Okay, and, and uh, spiders are being drawn, and the coffee machine is being raided. Exactly. Excellent yeah. stuff, indeed. Thank you very much, uh, indeed. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. Lots to talk about this morning. We've got three, four lines free now. So now is an excellent time to call in. Pregnant women being offered seats, of course. There's not a seat there. Pregnant women should be allowed to sit down. But who is the onus on? Is the onus on the people who are sat there already? Or should it be the pregnant woman who says, excuse me, can I sit down? And if that you're asked and you're fully capable of uh, standing up, you should stand up and let them sit down. I've never been in a situation on a bus or a train where a pregnant woman has not been given a seat. I've been in the situation where I've offered seats and it's been declined. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. It's a quarter past eight. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've had a call in from Mark in Boreham Wood. The Barnet Lane is blocked by a tree that's fallen in the road, likely to cause delays uh, over the next hour. The A1M southbound looking slow going through the Stevenage Junctions 8 and 7. In Milton Keynes, as you leave the M1 on the A421 towards the centre of town, things looking very slow on the speed sensors. And on the M25 anti-clockwise, things struggling between Junction 20 for Kings Langley and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. Right, it's coming up to 8.16. It is uh, Wednesday, the 19th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Unison representative says it's wrong that public money was used to pay for a private company's failures at a Stevenage health centre. Health experts say it's worrying uh, one in three 11-year-olds in a Hertfordshire town is overweight or obese. And in sport, bottom of the table, Stevenage failed to pick up points after a 2-0 defeat at Leighton Orient. Oh, dear. BBC Three Counties Counties Radio. World War One at home on the BBC. The number of men who died probably reckoned to be about 135. Revealing untold stories. If we can show at Wadston, if we can be seen to be trying to do something for the war effort, then everybody else should be able to do that. Discovering local memories. I tracked a dead man down a trench. I knew not he was dead. World War One at home. Walking between lessons, today's students at Haleybury College pass by a memorial to the former pupils who fought and died in the First World War. Revealing local stories. And he discovers that it's just gone at 11 o'clock on the 11th of November and in fact the First World War is over. World War One at home. Here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, we're going to be uh, covering that in all the shows. Should be uh, some very interesting stories. I know Tara has uh, collated and put together, so looking forward to that. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is here. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my boys, have they, have they bothered you yet this morning? No. My boys are here. No, they look as if they're behaving very well, yeah. just lightly trashing the studio. Uh, uh, yes, I know. I apologise to your team in advance when they have to go in there and uh, <laughs> pick up the debris. Hello, boys! They're waving. Hello, Hello boys. Well, Hello. One's waving and one's vandalising the coffee machine, so you won't be getting drinks later on. What's on your show this morning, JBS? Well, coming up this morning on the big phone, I'm so sorry to say this. I'm so sorry to say it. It's, it's that again. Yeah, front page yes. of the sun, isn't it? Front page of the sun, front page of the mirror. I mean, how many, how many more times 
do we have to have the same conversation? Six-day-old girl this time. Hey. From nine this morning, I'm asking, how much sympathy do you have when babies are attacked by pet dogs? As you've just said, Ian, a six-day-old baby is the latest uh, child to be savaged to death by a giant Alaskan Malamute, I think that's how you pronounce his dog, which her father had brought home from the local pub. Mm, he went down the pub. Uh, the dog apparently was a, a dog that had been had a, a bad start in life, and he brought the dog home. And the dog was in the same house as a newborn baby. Well, newborn Eliza May Mullane had only been home for three days after spending the first 72 hours of her life in intensive care. She was taken to hospital after the attack, but the medics couldn't save her life. Moments after the baby was savaged, her mother reportedly ran from the house screaming, The dog ate my baby. I mean, it's just a truly awful story. And I just... I wonder how many more times we have to have the same story cropping up. Mm. From nine this morning, I want your views. How much sympathy do you have when babies are attacked by pet dogs? Do you still feel sympathy when you see that story, Ian? Uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's just the saddest, the saddest, saddest story. I mean, my boy's next story, but kind of brings it home. It's just the saddest story, isn't it? It's, it's, but how many times do we have to have the same thing? Uh, you know, yeah. we, it was only, what, a week ago that another baby was killed by a dog. Yeah. Don't don't people listen to the news? Don't they read the papers? I do. I mean, listen, that, that dog shouldn't have been there. Of course I've got sympathy for the mum, though. It, it, you, you know, it's... It, 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 I can't even begin to put it in words. It's just such a sad story. I shall look forward to listening. Well, from nine this morning. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a dog special because not only will we discuss this tragic story, but at ten, hear the report of when I went out in St Albans with uh, ex-police dog handler and dog trainer Mick Martin. Oh, yes. We went into St Albans confronting irresponsible dog owners. Oh, dear. It got feisty. Oh, I bet it did. From nine this morning, it's a dog special on the JVS show. Call 08459 555 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459-455-555. Mary's in Bletchley. Good morning, Mary. Hello. How, what would you like to say? You've called in about the NHS. Yes. And, and all these private companies taking over and shutting down specialist wards and things like that. I used to, I was under a specialist ward in Will called Wilkinson Ward in Amersham mm. and um for my condition it's it it and other people like me, it's a specialist ward and it was one of the only places you could go into in the UK. Obviously, unless you were private, of course, you could go in other places, but you could go in and they'd speci- they specialised in this. Now, they've closed the ward down. Now, where I used to have, when, when my skin got out of control and started going to burns, which it does... You're um, sorry, your skin goes into burns? I, I have a thing called pustular psoriasis. Right. But when it gets out of control, it, 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 it goes to burns and then it sort of spreads all over my body. Oh, it sounds very painful. It is. The first time I nearly died with it, but thanks to Wilkins Maud and them looking after me and having the continuity of care, the proper care from them, qualified nurses and, you know, for people like conditions like mine. And I always had, if it started getting out of control, I'd ring and I would go to clinic and then I would be taken down to ward. So I always had that as a backup. They knew what they were doing and they they sorted you out as quickly as they could. You wouldn't believe the treatment I used to see other people having there on different things, you know. You you just, you wouldn't see it, you know. And, but now, now I'm struggling, I've been struggling now 
this, this last, the last part of last year because I'm going to the walk-in centre here and they don't know what to do with me. Um, they ring Churchill or ring other hospitals to see what they can do to help because I look like I've been burnt with an iron on my legs and things like that. Every day my son comes and takes me at the moment for treatment so that, so that I can have a specialist and to keep it under control while I'm waiting yeah. for some um, a new medication. So uh, it's an injections. So with, they've applied to the trust for funding to see if I can have these injections. But there's obviously lots of other tests and things. But at the moment, things are things are not good. Where I always had that, and they closed down these specialist places, and it's awful, you know. And it's just uh, you know, there's, I'm I'm just one person. There's lots. I've just seen little children covered in there. And if I went into a mainstream hospital, the way my skin is, I'd end up with MRSA or something like that. Yeah. Um, Mary, yeah. uh, uh, listen, we, we've got to move on, but thank you very much for making your point about how the, the uh, cuts and the closures are affecting you and, and uh, affecting your treatment of what sounds like a particularly unpleasant uh, condition. Mary and Bletchley. 08459 455 555. Now, healthy eating strategies. Nothing new. We've had them for, for ages, haven't we? We've always been told to make sure the children get plenty of exercise, which they are next door. Uh, eat plenty of fruit and veg, but it would seem the message isn't hitting home in one part of Hertfordshire. New figures from the government's Health and Social Care Information Centre suggest one in three 11-year-olds in Broxbourne is overweight or obese. Multi-agency efforts to tackle the problem seem to be having an effect with younger children in the area, but the number of overweight 11-year-olds is holding firm. In fact, it's seen a slight increase. Joined now by uh, Paul Seaby, who is a Broxbourne Conservative councillor and Cabinet Member for Housing and Community Development. Morning, Paul. Uh, morning, Ian. Paul, first of all, congratulations on the reduction that, that the schools, you, the local GPs, have brought about in the number of overweight under-11-year-olds. What do you put that down to? We put, you know, good partnership working with the children's centres. I know I've done a lot of work around promoting things like breastfeeding, uh, exercise, uh, we have one of our children's centres has a project called Mums on the Run, which is basically you know going out in the buggy. Oh yes, uh, I've seen those. Yes, yeah. How concerned are you about the eleven-year-olds? Uh, because that's seen a, a slight increase, hasn't it? Oh, well, well, any increase is to be regrettable. Though we have a range of initiatives from controlling the number of takeaways. Uh, we're also working with takeaways around promote, uh, reduce the, the amount of trans fats that actually serve. We have a new project uh, for 10 weeks, which is our men's project, which is based at one of our, our leisure centres, Grandy Park, which focuses on a range of things like learning how to stop temper tantrums, you know, promote good table manners, uh, learning to read food labels, making new friends, and developing uh, you know, healthier food habits. There's only so much you can do, though, isn't there, Paul? Because th- th- these kids are 11, they're going to be 12, 13, they're going to be going off buying their own food, cooking their own food in some uh, 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 cases. What, what more can you do? Oh, there's only so much you can do at the end of the day. There is a degree of personal responsibility. I mean, I suspect, you know, you know we have this issue, and it's a, it's a national issue anyway as well, uh, because, you know, we're not as active, and it's no coincidence that the school's which tend to have the uh, the biggest problem, pardon the pain, with uh, obesity, also have the worst parking issues when it comes to the school opening and, and the school closing. Oh. How are those two tied up? Uh, well, basically people are not active. They're preferring, they're preferring to drive their kids to school. Right. That's why we're keen to promote things like walking, cycling to schools, you know, which has other benefits. You know, it make, makes the school... 
uh, closing and opening times more safer and also less pollution around the schools as well. Paul, stay there. I want to bring uh, Jim McManus into the conversation, Director of Public Health at Hearts County Council. Morning, Jim. What do you think about what Paul's saying? Um, morning. Uh, well, I think the first thing to say is I, I agree with what Paul's saying. He's shown some fantastic leadership, as has the whole of Broxbourne Council, in um, working on this issue. And I think what Paul gets really right is the fact that there is no one magic bullet solution to obesity. You had some commentators on earlier on, you know, National Obesity Forum saying it's all government and food industry, a professor saying it's all about behaviour. The reality is it's a multiplicity of factors and we've got to get that sorted and it will take a number of things to bring this down. And I think we've got the best punt at doing it in Broxbourne at the minute because everybody wants to work together. The National Obesity Forum blames the government, Jim. Is that fair? Um, You could regulate the food industry from here to the end of the earth and uh, it it wouldn't affect um, really what people put in their mouths. You know, I mean, let's be honest, there are are, are several things here um, and it's not government's fault. One issue is... Um, the food industry is selling us food that is marketed as healthy. So some of those brands of slimming diet cereals have 18 spoonfuls of sugar per bowl. That's not healthy. Other, um, there are other things about people's choices. It's a combination of both. And actually what we have to do is get around the table with the food industry. There is a need for regulation. There is a need for information. We do need to do something about trans fats, which Paul's trying to do in, in Broxbourne. Um, but we actually need to make sure there's a combination of people can access good, healthy food. There's no hidden refined sugars or fats in it. And actually, we, we know how to eat for balance and we know how to take physical activity. Jim, listen, I'm, I, my two boys have, have turned up at work here. They're four and two. Uh, mm. And it, it, the responsibility, surely, ultimately lies with the parents. We are feeding them as healthily as we can and we are educating them on what is good and what is bad and what is a treat. And, you know, it has to be the parents' responsibility, ultimately, doesn't it? Yes, but if I mean it does have to be parental responsibility. But if actually you're so confused by the various messages from the different scientists mm. who can't agree with one another, and you're so confused by newspapers telling you one day this is good for you, one day that's bad for you, where do you go for your information on how to feed your kids a healthy, balanced diet? You know, when it all boils down to it, there there are three things that will resolve that will keep you at a healthy weight: eating well, feeling good about yourself. And exercising regularly. Uh, That sounds like a a great way to end that conversation, Jim. Thank you very much uh, indeed. Jim McManus, Director of Public Health at Hearts County Council, and Paul Seabee, Broxbourne Conservative Councillor and Cabinet Member for Housing and Community Development. I want a long title like that. I don't have a long title. I'm just, you know, Ian Lee bloke. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Twenty nine minutes past eight. Let's get the travel with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 northbound looking heavy on the speed sensors between Junction 10 for Luton and 12 for Flittick. The M25 anti-clockwise a little bit slow still between Junction 20 for Kings Langley and 16 for the M40. We had a call in from Mark in Boreham Woods to say the Barnet Lane is uh, has a block in the road because a tree's fallen there. And the A1M southbound slow going through the Stevenage Junctions 8 to 7. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning.
morning, I'm Serena Farrow with the headlines. Hertfordshire Health Watch says regular inspection of a privately run clinic in Stevenage is needed in future in order to prevent people from dying. Meanwhile, health experts say it's worrying one in three 11-year-olds in Broxbourne in Hertfordshire is overweight or obese. That's despite efforts to tackle the problem. A six-day-old baby girl has been savaged to death by a giant Alaskan Malamute dog which her father had brought home from the local pub. Well, there'll be more on this story from nine o'clock as JVS will be asking how much sympathy do you have when babies are attacked by pet dogs? And there's a warning, false stereotypes of teenagers may prevent them from getting jobs. A report out says more 14 to 17 year olds than ever before are now taking part in voluntary work and are concerned about social issues. There are the news headlines. Now let's move on to the morning sport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So Watford drew nil-nil away to bottom of the Championship Yeovil last night. Hornets goalkeeping coach Alec Chamberlain was critical. I don't think we particularly got going all game. I, I, I didn't feel really that um, we ever moved the ball particularly well. Um, I don't know really why the reason was, apart from the heavy pitch, but Yeovil moved the ball better than we did. Both sides struggled in the last third to really um, make that final pass or that final shot count. So I guess from that point of view, nil-nil isn't a surprise really. MK Drons drew by that same scoreline at home to Preston. Don's manager Carl Robinson praised his side. They put their bodies on the line, I feel. They're working the socks off. And we're, we're very, very skeleton squad. To, to have Harry Hickford, uh, Giorgio and George and people like that on the bench and Deli Ali starting, it, it, it shows you how short it to lose Samir and George. just shows you what we've got. I've got nothing left. I have nothing left at all in the club. Staying in League One and Stevenage fell to pick up points after a 2-0 defeat at Leighton Orient. That's despite being bottom of the table. Here's Borough manager Graham Wesley. We started to work our way back into the game. Um, we started to carve out chances. Um, as the game wore on, we, we got stronger and certainly it was a pretty even second half. Um, the chances were there for us. Uh, we weren't as clinical as they were. They, they took you know, the, cu- the couple of good chances that they had early on and in the end, those two goals have been the difference. Elsewhere locally in the Calla Premier Division, Bedford Town lost 4-2 to Corby. Meanwhile, St Neots beat Elsie 3-1. Biggleswade Town didn't actually play Hitchin in the end because of a waterlogged pitch. So Manchester City were beaten 2-0 in their Champions League game against Barcelona. And finally, in the Winter Olympics, both of Great Britain's curling teams play their semi-finals later on. Meanwhile, British pair Rebecca Wilson and Paula Walker are lying in 12th place. That's at the halfway stage of the women's bobsleigh. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. So the kids are here. They're going to finish the show for me. Before the end of the show, the boys will come in and they will finish the show for me. Uh, Have you taken your kids to work? It doesn't really happen that much. I remember in the 70s, I was always at my dad's work. I always, my dad works at the BBC, but the proper BBC. And by proper BBC, I mean the props department of the BBC. So we got to go and see Daleks and the TARDIS and things like that, which was the age of six, five, six, seven was the coolest thing. But do, do people take their kids to work anymore? I don't think it happens that much, Kelly. I was taken to work at a pub. <laughs> when was this? I, was, I think I was about, how old will I have been? Maybe about 11. Wow. Poured my first pint. Gosh, that's terrifying. That's, yeah. that's, you're broken Britain. You, you, you broke Britain. <laughs> 
Do you, you ever taken the, the girls to work, Catherine? Um, they've popped in before when I'd forgotten something and had to come back for it. Oh, gosh. Um, and that was quite enough. Bring them, bring them in this week. Come on. Really? We should instigate p- parents bringing their kids to work. It doesn't happen. For, in the 70s, I was always at my dad's work, just hanging out. I wasn't allowed at my dad's work. Oh, really? Well, he worked at a newspaper. Yeah. Sports. Um, no girls allowed. No girls allowed. No. Are the boys being well behaved in there? They are exemplary. Are you sure? They're lovely. They made me miss my girls. Ah, oh, bring them in. Bring them in. Be nice. I might. It would be nice. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. What? Uh, Mavis is in Western Turville. Morning, Mavis. Good morning, Ian. It's me again. Hello, Mavis. It's ironic that you brought in your boys. <coughs> Excuse me this oh, morning. Dear. Because I wanted to tell you about this little boy who's going to be four on Saturday. Oh yeah. He doesn't play with toys. Oh. He's a little chef. What? He wants he wants pots and pans all the time. Does he really? Who yeah. is this little boy? Is he connected with you in any way? Well, I've met his great granny in Wendover. Oh yes, and she's full of praise, you know, for a little boy. He's in Slovakia at the moment, though, on a skiing holiday. So hang on, a, hang on a minute. There's a four-year-old lad on a S- Slovakian <laughs> skiing holiday. That's right. <laughs> oh, he's leading a better life than me. <laughs> I've never been to, to Slovakia or skiing. He sounds a marvellous little boy. Fantastic. He like he likes James Martin on the television. Oh, the uh, uh, pompous chef. Yes. Yes. I think he's got an uncle a chef, you see, and that's ah, where it's rubbed off. But, I see. But I thought, oh, I must tell you about it. Oh, no, that's wonderful. Well, that's, that's very exciting. It's nice to hear of something a little bit different than boys running around with tractors and guns all the time. Well, it's unusual, isn't it? Did you... Mavis, do, do yeah. you have children... I had two girls. Did, did at, at any point when the girls were younger, did, did you or, or your husband or anyone ever take them to work when they were when they were sort of five, six, seven, eight years old? No. Oh, I, I, I remember it was a big thing to do this to take children to work, and it doesn't seem to happen anymore. Wouldn't the world be a nicer place if one day bankers and uh, TV presenters and uh, maybe not firemen, but people took their their little kids to work? It would yeah. kind of bring the child out in all of us, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think people would be a bit what can the word softer, oh. not, not so hard. Softer is the exact word. I, I'm, yeah. I'm watching my two little monkeys now create uh, yeah. havoc and mayhem next door, yeah. but with innocent faces. And I'm feeling a bit softer. If I, if I had um, Ollie Martins on, right, the, the PCC for Hertfordshire, the Police and Crime Commissioner, yes. I, I, I would probably, and uh, the Bedfordshire, sorry, I would probably be very gentle and soft with him. <laughs> Well, normally I'm, I'm firm and tough with him. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, I, oh, I love your programme. Maybe she'll very, yes. very kind. You give yes. us a call again. We'll speak soon. OK. Thank you very much indeed. David Lloyd, of course, uh, Hertfordshire. Uh, Dominic's in Luton. Morning, Dominic. Uh, good morning, Ian. Dominic, what's... Oh, hang on. You're, you're by the busway. What's happening? No, no, no. Um, what happened was, yesterday afternoon, I was trying to get the bus from Luton Town Centre... Oh, yeah. ...to, to Stanton Road on the busway. Yeah. And the driver said, sorry... Um, the bus isn't going that way because some idiot managed to get his car on the busway and is trying to change his tyre. When did this happen? Um, oh dear, must have been about half past three yesterday afternoon. So there's another one because we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We spoke yeah. to lovely Lindsay Frostick from Arriva and someone else, and they put up a big expensive sign to make yeah, it really, really obvious. Yeah, I don't know whereabouts it was, because when I got on the 61 bus, I saw my bus, or I saw a centre bus going over the um, bridge on the busway, so oh. whether it was further up by Hatter's Way, I don't know. I'm reminded, actually, that John, at the weekend on Saturday... 
sent me a photograph of... Uh, I've got it up now. Uh, it's, it's a silver van stuck on the busway. So it's still happening quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely stupid. Do we need to, Catherine? Do we need to look into this again? We've got we've got Dominic talking about a car on the busway changing its tire. Got a picture from John from the weekend of a van stuck on the busway. Do we need to look into this again? Quite possibly. It seems to be that. How stupid can people be? Well, and we've gone on about it over and over again. Yeah. Okay. Well, well the, the, Dominic, I appreciate your call. Thank you very well, much. You know what it is. What? Thank you very much. It's heartlessness. <laughs> What's that got to do with it? They're not listening to us. Oh, so they're listening to hearts. Yeah, and so they don't know about the bus thing. But then it's not... stupid things. Oh, it's heart listeners. I thought yeah. you said it's heartlessness. No, heart listeners. Oh, we all know that. But by the very fact that you listen to heart means there's something not quite right with uh, your, uh, your head, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Shame, isn't it? It is a shame. Well, Dominic, I appreciate the call. John, I appreciate the email. I'm sure it's something that we'll look into again, as we, we do every few weeks. Um, some of your Facebook comments uh, about um, standing up for pregnant women. Dwayne says, a lot of people have no choice but to stand up from St Albans to Three Bridges. Andy says, buying a ticket only entitles you to travel. It doesn't entitle you to a seat. That said, I would give up my seat without a doubt. Pregnancy may not be an illness, but ignorance and lack of morals come close. Craig says, maybe it was hard to tell she was pregnant. Was she making the... (laughs) Was she making the recognised international gestures for a pregnant lady? Sometimes you don't want to risk offending someone when they're not pregnant, but they're carrying a little bitty weight girl. What's the international gesture for... Oh, the hands behind the back. It's the Benny Hill. Hands behind. Hands behind the back. Base of spine. Is it what? One on the bump. Rubbing bump. Oh, rubbing rubbing on the bump. Yeah. 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 (sighs) One on the back, one on the bump. That is... And lots of... Oh, baby in there. I've got a baby in my oh, stomach. It's moving. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and Kevin says, it's when she's not pregnant and you ask her if she'd like your seat that you that the real issues can arise. Ain't that the truth? Howard's on the line. Good morning, Howard. Good morning, sir. What have you got for me, boss? About kids and going to work. Oh, yes, yes. It's take my lads to work with me. When I was driving Loris... He was only about seven, eight. He loved it. He'd be sitting in the cab, proud as punch. His dad was, <laughs> dad was driving Norris up and down the country. And it's, do you know what? It's, it's a good thing. To, uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm hoping my boss is uh, going to be understanding about this because they're going to be here all day today. Uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a little lie. Go a lie? Yes. My, my boss never, t- never knew I took my lab with me. Oh, blimey. You were, probably, you were probably contravening the insurance or something, weren't you? I don't know, but no, I just used to pick him up from home. And then we, we used to go up and down, up and down the motorway And kids would, find that, kids would find that exciting, because they love big trucks and they love big lorries, well, don't they? I, I, of course they do. My, my dad used to do it with me when I was a little kid, you know? We yeah. used to go, when I lived near Swell at the time, not your neck of the woods. Oh, I'm sorry about that, Howard. I know. Where, where exactly, whereabouts did you live? Uh, just outside Langley. Oh dear. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I was in yeah. Langley the yeah. other day, and oh, I went. I went to a, a rehearsal <laughs> studio for bands. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, for the first, I haven't been there for twenty three years. Yeah. It, everything was exactly the same. Langley. Everything oh, there was exactly the same. Not changed much. Not really. changed in the slightest. Howard, right. listen. I appreciate your call. There's something about it, isn't there? Taking your kids to work. It's important for them to see. Kind of what you do when you're out of the house. I think it's nice to see your colleagues interacting with their children as well. Yeah. See that they're not all you know, heartless and heartless soulless. And, and I'm rude. And I, turns out vile. I'm. Hey, steady on. Mm-hmm. It turns out I'm a really nice guy. I'm a nice guy, aren't I, Kelly? Aren't I, Kelly? Mm? Oh, dearie me. Uh, let's go to Glenn in Leighton Buzzard. Morning, Glenn. 
Morning. Glenn, what have you got for me, sir? Um, the state of the roads. Yeah. On the 4146 around Leighton Buzzard, I counted at least about 60 dangerous potholes yeah. on the dual carriageway. Yes. And now the weather's nice, you'd think somebody would be out there repairing them. Oh, are they not? Nope. Oh. Not at all. So I don't know whether your team could perhaps um, prompt Bedfordshire Council to... Uh, have a look. It's a thing that pops up every now and then, Glenn. We talk about the potholes and how nothing's being done about them. Now, it's an important issue. It's not the most exciting of radio, but as a kind of local radio station, it's something we should be looking into. We can certainly put in a couple of calls and um, uh, we can see maybe uh, Roberto would want to talk about it. <laughs> no. We'll put in a couple of calls, but it's one of those things that, 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 particularly after this bad weather, after the floods, that's when the roads start to get damaged, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. But it's nice and sunny now, and there's no wind, there's no rain. They can at least have somebody out there doing some assessments. Glenn, thank you very much. Get out there and fix it. it, it we, we do do it on the radio from time to time. And I, if I'm completely honest, it, it's not the most exciting um, bits of radio. So it puts me in an awkward position there, Catherine. Puts you in an awkward position. You make some phone calls. Thanks. I can see a young man waving. Hello. Maybe he could make some phone calls. Could you make some phone calls to the council for us, please? Go on, I'll, Pho- I'll dial for you. Phone up the council and ask them about potholes. Could you do that for me, son? Oh, he's taking his cans oh, off. <laughs> he doesn't want to know. Dearie me. Oh he's, got, oh, he's gone all shy. He's pushed the shy button. Well, good for him. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Here's an email I want to read before the, uh, um, uh, the travel. This is... Uh, who sent this email in? Please don't read out my, my last name, as I don't want any fallout on my place of work. OK, right. Here we go. This is we're talking about uh, the disabled protests and how Atos are the, the company that assesses people are perhaps responsible for some people's deaths. Here we go with some disabled people saying they cannot work. Disabled people are able to do work. Some disabled people choose not to work. They use their disability as an excuse to not work. I was under the impression that disabled people want to be, to be treated as equals. How can a doctor say that a disabled person cannot work? Surely he must say they are not suitable to certain types of work. Some people need to be more positive in what they can and not what they cannot do. There are plenty of disabled people out there that go to work. These have the right attitude. They are not negative in what they can or cannot do. They work hard to overcome their disability and they're proud to earn their wage. I don't want to sound harsh, but all people need to be more positive of what they are able to do. We are all able to form, uh, do some form of work, even working from home, making telephone calls. Don't give up just because you have a disability. Say what can I do, not what I can't do. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to have your say on that. You can also email me direct, ian.leeiain.lwe at bbc.co.uk or you can give me a call, 08459 555 Fifteen minutes of the show, two lines free. It's coming up to a quarter to nine. Let's get the travel news now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 northbound looking heavy around Junction 10 for Luton and the M25 anti-clockwise slow now between Junction 18 for Chorley Wood and 16 for the M40. In Boreham Wood, the Barnet Lane is blocked by a tree that's fallen in the road. And on the speed sensors in Watford, Stevenson Way heading towards the A41 and M1 roundabout is queuing on the approach. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. 
8.45. It's Wednesday the 19th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hertfordshire Health Watch says things will just get worse if private clinics deal with a public-run service like the one in Stevenage. A health analyst says to reduce rising obesity in Broxbourne, the local government needs to work with children's centres focusing on exercise and eating. And in sport, bottom of the table, Stevenage failed to pick up points after a 2-0 defeat at Leighton Orient. Last 15 minutes of the show, what are we talking about? Pregnant women on uh, buses and trains, we're talking about fat kids and disabled people going to work. 08459 455 555. Also, if you ever went to work with your parents or you bring your kids to work, tell me how on earth you dealt with it. Mine are here and they're creating havoc next door. Let's get the weather. Here's Georgina. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Bit of a murky start to the day and we have some showers passing through this morning but things brighten up later on and we may even have some sunshine by the afternoon. We've got light west to southwesterly winds today with temperatures reaching 10 or 11 degrees Celsius. Tonight it clouds over ahead of outbreaks of rain and we'll have strengthening southerly winds. That continues pretty much well well into tomorrow morning. Uh, Temperatures not dipping too far tonight though with lows of 7 or 8 degrees Celsius. Tomorrow a wet and windy start to the day. That's improving by lunchtime but we'll be left with some showers which could be fairly heavy at times perhaps even with some hail Uh, the winds ease later though with temperatures up to 11 or 12 degrees celsius friday a windy day with blustery showers again probably some hail around saturday is the better day of the two for the weekend it starts off windy with blustery showers but it dries up later on whereas on sunday we've got a, a rainy day with strengthening southwesterly winds that's your latest forecast thank you very much Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. My geography teacher at school resurrected a jazz standard song, which was Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey. It made me dedicate myself to be trying to be better. I always felt that wasn't quite good enough. Expert advice. Absolutely, you've got it, you've nailed it. I am so happy, thank you. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Hayley's in Long Crendon. Morning, Hayley. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Why? I'm looking next door and I, it looks like the studio is about to collapse. I, 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 my boys are um, they're very well behaved, <laughs> but they're also very enthusiastic and very <laughs> energetic. What? They're just being inquisitive, is what they should be. They they seem to be fascinated by the uh, coffee machine more than any of the other studio equipment we have here. Oh, lovers of coffee. Yes, exactly. What what have you got, Hayley? Um, Well, I I was just listening to you talking about uh, children going into work, and as a a small child, my my dad used to take me to work with him in the school holidays, and he was a a self-employed painter and decorator. Oh, fantastic. So I used to go along, which I thoroughly enjoyed going, and he used to um, get me to strip all the wallpaper off the walls, and then um, I would then write lots of messages all over the walls. Brilliant. And then my dad would then cover them back up with wallpaper, and I have been back in um, adult years to help him out, and I've stripped the wallpapers off the walls and reread all my messages. Oh, really? They're still there? Yeah. How yeah. wonderful. Yeah, so, so the year, I would have written something like here with my dad uh, August, you know, 1978 um, and, and yeah, and they've uh, been uncovered so in, in my fun. old house on Monksfield Way in on the Britwell Estate in Slough 
and I've driven past there recently, under the driveway are two time capsules that me and my sister um, uh, buried under there when my dad laid the tarmac. Uh, I say time capsules, they're two Golden Virginia tobacco tins. Yeah. I've got no idea what's in there. I, probably a note, I would imagine some coins and a, a couple of marbles, something like that. Oh, and I keep going past hoping they dig up that drive because I want to get some action in there. I want to go and have a look at it. That'll take you back, find out what you put in And there. also, supposing this happened to you, Hayley, this is what I, I want to do, me and my sister want to do, OK? So this house, we grew up there and we moved out when I was 11, OK? So 30 years ago. Mm. I would love to go back in there and have a little look around, partly just to, for the nostalgia, to think about my dad who passed away, all of this stuff, OK? If I were to write them a letter, if you were to receive a letter from someone saying they lived in your house 30 years ago, could mm. they come and have a look around? What would, what would you think? Well, funny you should say that, because I did exactly that to the people that live in the house that my dad grew up in in Dunton. Really? I did, yes. So my dad turned 80 a couple of years ago, and I approached the gentleman that currently lives in the house in Dunton yeah. and asked, and it was on, it was up for sale at the time, oh. so I approached him and said that my father grew up here. Could he come round and have a look? And he said, my dear, you're more than welcome. So on my dad's oh. birthday, we took uh, my dad, my mother and my brother... And, uh, and we went to uh, Blick's Cottages in Dunton, um, where my dad grew up. Did your dad know that you were going to go there? No. Oh, what a great no. surprise. And how long had it been since he'd lived there? Um, well, he was, he's 82 now. He was probably in his 20s. Oh, man. Yeah, and, and he had some wonderful memories. What a um, thrill that must have been. It must have been great for him. It must have been great for you seeing his oh, face as he walked around and all these memories came flooding back. Yeah, it was absolutely wonderful, and, and the guy that lives there now, he was very obliging. And, um, yeah, it was lovely memories for him. Hayley, you've, right, you've, you've made my mind up then. I'm going to write that letter later on today and post it to them. Yeah, what can they say? Either yes or no. Hayley, thank you very much indeed. Well, that was nice, wasn't it? I'm going to do it, Catherine. I'm going to write a letter to my old house and say, can we come have a look? Well, it's not quite as impressive a cottage as that, but um, it's a council estate house on, uh, on well, estate in Slough. But still, the memories that are in there. How would you feel if someone wrote you that letter? I would... Um, uh, I would... Uh, um, I would give it serious consideration, yes. I would think about it long and hard. I'd probably, let them, I'd probably say yes. It's how do you know if they're a dodgepot, though? That's the thing. Yeah. They, they're casing the joint. With the greatest of respect, it will be... You know, I can say, by the way, go to Wikipedia and look me up. Do you, do you know what I mean? I can kind of refer people to... that. There is a slight public face that makes it a little bit easier to get... Yeah, because you don't get public dodgepots, do you? No. <laughs> oh! Touché! Um, 08459 Rick's in Aylesbury. Morning, Rick. Oh, good morning. Rick, what have you got for me? Well, I'm just about to have a question, uh, well, not a question, an answer for the guy that came on about the pothole. Oh, we've t- we're doing the pothole phone-in. OK, yes. Thanks, Sorry Tim. About that. That's no, all right. My, uh, my answer to that is council don't know about it. They won't do anything about it. You've got to go online and register it. Oh. Therefore, once it's registered, they're obligated to do the job. Shouldn't they be patrolling the streets, going around and seeing where these uh, these roads are and, and, you know, taking the onus off of us? Well, maybe, but, I mean, as, as a motorist and a motorcyclist, you know, I feel strongly about this. And in my experiences, I've, in the past, I've registered online with the councils and they've been out and repaired them. 
Oh, OK. Well, uh, Rick, thank you very much for that. Just hurrying up because I want to squeeze Justin in. Uh, Justin's been out all morning at this disability rights campaign that's uh, happening outside Cresta House in Luton. Well, the protesters started gathering at eight as part of a national demonstration against Atos Healthcare. That's the company who carries out the assessments on behalf of the Department for Work and Pensions. Protesters say that Atos are killing disabled people by forcing them to go back to work when they just aren't well enough. Justin, you've been uh, on Alma Street for... Uh, well, about an hour now. What's going on? Well, we spoke about an hour ago, Ian. There was about three people here. There's now about 30 people here outside this building. One of those people is David Cox, who's from Luton. David, you're live across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Tell us briefly why you're here today protesting. The reason I'm here today protesting is because Atos is, is a private company which, as, as far as we can see, has completely failed to deliver uh, on... on, on supporting people who are unemployed. The work capability assessment they carried out seemed very biased and unfair and, and many people have been fa- who have been found for wi- fit for work have in fact turned out not to be and have got their, their health has deteriorated, people have died, we're, we're hearing stories that people have starved to death uh, and, and we're not just angry at the, the uh, Atos, we're angry at the DWP, they're, they're, in, they're in collusion um, we also understand that it looks like Atos will lose the contract, but whoever takes on the contract will still use the flawed WCA, and the, condi- the, the situation won't improve. So you want the system to be fairer? This system has the currently system been in place since 2011. By having this protest here today outside Luton, Absolutely. and of course up and down the country, do you honestly think you're going to make any difference whatsoever? Well, I mean, yeah, as you say, it's, it's all around the country. Uh, it has to make a difference. People need to stand up and be heard on this one. Um, at the moment, that, that is all we can do, but peacefully protest. You say peacefully. Uh, Mark Sharman did say to us an hour ago, this would be peaceful. It certainly looks peaceful, but um, uh, there is a man over there wearing a mask, and he's got a banner, and it does contain swear words. Now, of course, a lot of young families about at this time in the morning. Do you think that's acceptable? Well, that, that, that is just one individual in a crowd of... What, do you think that's acceptable, though? Uh, wearing a mask, I have no issues with people. Mm. If, they, if, they, if they want to wear a mask, I notice he's not wearing it covering his face. Um, people have been made, made very passionate with this. I personally wouldn't, wouldn't carry a sign like that. Mm. I've got one that says, Atos kills, drive out Atos and the, Atos and the condemned. Okay. And just lastly, you're going to be here until what time? I, I'm going to be here as long as I can. I understand it goes on to about three o'clock in Luton, um, and I'm going to be here as long as I can. I've got the stamina, basically. Okay. I appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. Thank That's you uh, David much. Cox there joining us live, Ian. As I mentioned, about uh, 30 people. Some of the, the banners here um, do contain swear words, it must be said, but um, it certainly seems peaceful at this moment in time. Justin, thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, we've, got, uh, we've got some people from Ofcom have just come in uh, to the building, Justin. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they were doing one of those kind of surprise visits, and oh, one yeah. of them, one of them wants to say something about that, don't you? Where you go, Mr. Ofcom man? What? Excellent report, Justin. Excellent report, Justin. But you're very silly. Oh, yeah. Anything else you want to say to to, to him? I don't. You do, do you want to say? Um, could you get some coffee on the way back home? Could you get some coffee on the way back home? Yeah, yeah, I'll get some coffee, no problem. <laughs> Thank you very much. Say bye-bye to Justin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There we go. Fantastic. Well, that protest is, uh, is happening all day, and no doubt we'll keep some more on that. Daddy, I'm done.
You're stuck, are you? Right. Okay. I'm. I'm still. I'm still got the radio show to finish. It's funny that these are made out of Lego. He's noticed that the studio uh, here at BBC Three Counties Radio is made out of Lego. So, uh, yeah. Can I? I'm going to finish. You off? Oh. I'm going to finish. Can I? Fi- I'm going to finish the show now. Do you want to sit on my lap while I finish it? Yeah. yeah you want to come up here? Oh, I'd finish it. Have you enjoyed coming to BBC Three Counties Radio? Yeah. What do you think about it? Good. What What bits did you like? <laughs> You like the fact that the studio is made out of Lego. This is it is. What bits didn't you like? Where do you think we could improve our output? It means what could we do better here? Uh, switch these switches down and up. Yeah, switch switches down and up. And what do you? Be honest. Be honest. What did you think about Catherine? Yeah. And what did you think about Kelly Betts? Really? Do you think we should fire them or? Yeah, we should fire them. Don't take those off! I won't, oh, no, you've taken them all off! Oh, for goodness sakes. Right, that's it. That's your lot. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch during the week, you're more than welcome to. You can send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Uh, you can uh, write about anything that you think... No, dot o dot u a. That's not the That's not the email. No, it's not the email. It's ian.lee at bbc.co.uk is the email. No. That's not even an email address. That's not, even a, that's not even an email address. It's ian.lee at bbc.co.uk if you want to send me an email about anything that you think we might like to talk... That, right, that's, that's not even an email address. No, it's not. No, it's... Do you want to introduce Alice again? Do you want to say, here's the travel with Alice? Well, we, we can't wait because we're running out of time. Well, quick, I'm going to do it then. Well, no, quick, I've got to do it. Quick. Now. Quick travel news for beds, cards and... Say, here's the travel with Alice. Here's the travel with Alice. Thank you very much. The M1 northbound has a lane closed between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 10 for Luton Airport after an accident. It is looking slow on the approach there. The N25 anti-clockwise still slow between Junction 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. On the speed sensors, things struggling in Hemel Hempstead at the traffic lights on the A414. And we had a call in from Mark in Borehamwood. The Barnet Lane is blocked by a tree that's fallen in the road. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. Right, that's, that's it. That's your lot. Boys, you want to say goodbye to the listeners? Bye-bye. Do you want to say bye-bye? Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-